Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. It's Raise the Horns Radio. Update. Welcome to Pagans Tonight. Yeah, I just love that intro so much I wanted to play it twice. It's just one of those kind of days. You know, it's probably because I'm feeling so festive and so jolly because as we record the show, we're just about a week and a day away from Yule. Technically, it's December 13th. It feels very Yule-tight-ish at my house. The tree is up. The cup is full of scotch. Tonight we're drinking Lagavulin 16, nice and peaty and smoky and, and good. There's presents under the tree. There's holly and mistletoe up at the house. It's everything someone could want in a winter solstice celebration. Thanks for joining us. Tonight our guest is Natalie Zaman. I'm really excited to talk to Natalie. Had our our wires crossed back around Thanksgiving, but I think uh, tonight everything is on the up and up, and it's going to be fun. We also might play a little game we call Christian or Pagan in relation to Yuletide tradition, if Natalie is game. We shall see. Also, before we start the show for real, super excited today that Bon Jovi is in the Hall of Fame. My friend Matt Oren says, Jason, you like dad rock? And I'm not a father, but yeah, if you want to call, you know, sparkling arena hair rock metal dad rock, you go right ahead. I'm super thrilled. I've been listening to Bon Jovi all day. I would sing some for you live now, but then we would probably have to pay some sort of licensing fee, and we just can't afford that. We can't. Hi, Natalie. Welcome to the hey, show. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Are you a Bon Jovi fan at all? Bon Jovi is a Jersey guy. You got to love Bon Jovi. <laughs> I, I like him despite being a Jersey guy. Aw, see, poor yeah, New Jersey. <laughs> it is. It is. We invented big hair, it's, you know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I can still do that with a can of Aquanet. My hair's just long enough that I can kind of do the whole 80s hair metal thing. It's really fun. <laughs> Never quite got over the eighties. You never you never saw them like live at a small club or anything, did you? No. No. I, I was more of a deaf leopard kind of kind of girl yeah. back in the eighties. Um but yeah, no, Bon Jovi was the whole, you know, um oh gosh. I just I remember like scooping ice cream to them. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. Um living on a prayer and uh yeah, no, I, I were It's so w- weird. I when I was a teenager, I worked at this little ice cream shop in Princeton called Thomas Sweet. It's still there. It's it's, it's you know it's there, and there's a, one in New Brunswick. Um, and they would always have some sort of music playing in the background and whatnot. And I just remember living on a prayer. And then um, there was another one. Oh, what was the name of the song? It was another Bon Jovi. But I feel like it was always on all the time. So. Wanted you know. dead or alive. 
Yes. Okay. That that definitely that yeah. one. There's a, there's another. Was there another one about like someone having a gun? No. That was that that was Aerosmith, and that was later, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's about the same time though. Jamie's got a gun. That's all gun. you can yep. We have to pay for the license. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. It's yeah, all a blur now. The... the 80s. It's all a blur of eyeliner yeah. and neon and big sleeves. <laughs> I I was like a Christian back then. And though I loved hair metal and, and heavy metal, I also mm. liked like heavy bands like Anthrax. You know, I was <laughs> mostly a pretty good kid. And were you so were you a wild child in the eighties? Oh, I think I was a wannabe wild child. I had all I had like all the trappings, but I really I had I had no money and no time to be bad. Does that sound terrible? Um, <laughs> well, it's true. true. It was like you I was it. either in school or working. Um, but I looked the part for what it's worth. If that, you know. You'd have to send me those pictures. I'm super curious now. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I'm, Big, I'm surprised yeah. I didn't put one on Instagram. Okay. All right. Yeah, no. Big hair. For sure. Earrings. I lo- yeah. Well, I was like, Rock like I roll. said, I was... With the, with the hair bands, I was more of a Def Leppard girl, but I really was into, like, The Cure. I loved Robert Smith. Oh, my God, and I just saw him, like, two years ago, and I was just like, oh, my God, you sound exactly the same. Um, I liked The Cure, Depeche Mode. I still like them, still love them. Um, the Smiths, loved them. Erasure, loved them, loved them still. Um, so those are the kind of – that was the kind of music I was I was into, um, when I was a teenager, but I still, you know, and I loved Led Zeppelin too, though. The same, that was like my, well, my favorite heavy the, metal band. Led Zeppelin is the greatest rock band of all time. I mean, there's, of there's all no time. There's no question about that. All time. No, yeah, no. The Beatles are the greatest pop band of all time. Led Zeppelin is the greatest rock band of all time. Agreed. We have to oh, have agreed. these distinctions in my house, so Ari and I It's really important. She's a Beatles girl and I'm a Zeppelin boy, though we both love each band. You know, it's yeah. just that she loves the Beatles first and I love Led Zeppelin first. And yeah, it's it's difficult. Yeah. So I think I'm she'd always... rather have Robert Plant's baby at this point than Paul McCartney's. <laughs> See, also I was a big Jimmy. I was Robert... I love Robert Plant, don't get me wrong. But yeah. I love Jimmy Page. He was always well, Jimmy's he, he was, my guy. Yeah, you know he's he's Jimmy's always been like the guy in the room. Yes, absolutely. He's the coolest guy in the room. He really is. <laughs> oh, did I never? I've, I've probably told this story twelve times on the show, but here it is for you. I was in the same room as Jimmy Page last September. No way. You did way. not tell I mean, me this. This is new to me. So tell it again. It, it was. It was. I was going. I was in London. I was in London, England, and I met up with my friend Dodie, who writes for the Wild Hunt on occasion. And she and I are both fans of the English folk musician Roy Harper, who she is a mega fan. I know him just because he used to tour with Led Zeppelin, and Jimmy played on his album Stormcock in the early seventies. But she said, Jason. We're gonna both gonna be in London at the same time. Will you go see Roy Harper with me? And I said yes. And it was probably about a two thousand seat place. And right before the show started, she looked over and she goes, Jason, 
that's Jimmy Page. And I said, no, no, he's way too thin to be Jimmy Page because, you know, I keep up with what Jimmy looks like. And, right. But lo and behold, it was Jimmy Page. And I almost stopped breathing for a second because it was Jimmy Page. And I wanted to corner him. And I tried to get my phone out, and I got the back of his head. But the British people are always so polite. Like, they didn't take their phone out during the concert. They didn't all take a picture of Jimmy Page as he walked in. So you could kind of see the room tilt that way a little bit because it's yeah. freaking Jimmy Page. But, you know, only I was completely hyperventilating. And just two days before that, I had been at Atlantis Bookstore doing a talk for my book, The Witch's Asthma, available now at all five booksellers and online. And the owner of the store, Geraldine Beskin, who is wonderful and her store is wonderful, we were talking at the end, and she goes, well, Jimmy Page comes in here sometimes. And I turned like a shade of pink that human <laughs> beings are not allowed to turn. And Ari <laughs> was there, and Dodie was there, and they both commented on this later. And I also was like out of like breath for a minute, knowing that you know Jimmy Page could have been right upstairs while I was talking in this room, and that we had stood in the same place. So, yeah, just I just love Led Zeppelin so much and Jimmy Page. And Led Zeppelin is why I'm a pagan. I think they probably had something to do with my own path as well. Oh, I'm sure they did, you know, because, you know, you start delving all of their uh, – that would be like five shows in and of itself, right, to talk about, like, all the symbolism and references and blah, 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 that Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. I do a workshop about it. I mean, I could talk about them for hours. And oh, yeah. every once in a while, I'll meet somebody who'll be like, oh, I'm a bigger Zeppelin fan than you are. And I'll be like, no, <laughs> no, you're not. But good try. Good try, sir. Or madam. Good day to you, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's right. I say to you, good day. Yeah, pretty much like that. But no, I mean, I think music really hits us in that spot. And I think for a lot of people, Maybe, you know, maybe it's not Led Zeppelin, but maybe it's or Dar Williams or even maybe a Pink Floyd or the Smiths or yeah. the Cure even. I mean, I think it gets us interested in other things. Absolutely. No, it's a huge influence. A huge influence for and, sure. And, you know, with the Smiths, it all comes back full circle when they did the, you know, they used their song as the theme to Charmed, right? Um, you've, uh, you've, you've wandered into territory that I have not been to yet. I'm, a, I'm terrible when it comes to, to like TV shows and television and stuff like that. So I don't know the reference. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> I know what, Char- I know fine. Charmed is a show, but I've never, I've never watched it. I know I've, that this, this kills wa- people. I've never watched an entire episode of Charmed with the sound on. I used to just watch it on mute because I liked looking at Alyssa Milano, and I'll admit that. I mean, I grew up with Who's the Boss, so she's just always kind of been the raging celebrity crush, and she was on there. But at the beginning, they would show their Book of Shadows and, you know, all these symbols and things, and you would hear the song How Soon Is Now by the Smiths. (laughs) That was the opening theme. See now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna have to watch it. I'm re- like I said, I'm really really bad with. Uh, I have a really bad habit of, I guess, latching onto something and watching it over and over again. Um, 
I've been on loop. What's been on loop lately? Because I'll I'll be I'll have stuff on in the background while I'm working or doing something else, and one of my kids will come in and they're like, "Oh, that's playing again." You really need to 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 you know watch something else, anything else, but what you're watching. And I think The Exorcist was like the last thing that was on loop on my iPad. It's really bad, <laughs> really really bad. I need to expand. Oh, we're talking the, like the the, the the 1970 whatever it was. Um, oh, the movie. It's a fabulous movie. It's a, it's a classic. It is a fabulous movie. This is what I mean. And it's just like, you know, it's just, it's on in the background, you know? Um, and, and yeah. that's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what's just on in the background. Um, but I'm like, it's not like I'm just sitting there watching it or I'd never get anything done like ever, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, no, they're always like, oh, you got to watch something to anything, anything but that. <laughs> Well, you, you go backwards in time and you look at the 70s and up until the, you know, even 80s and 90s. And the amount of sort of anything that was sort of occult-like in material is, like, really, really small. So, yeah. you know, we would watch things like The Exorcist or Rosemary's Baby right. or, you know. I mean, that's, those are my movies. formative years. To me, they're kind the of seven, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the 70s were my formative years. I mean, that was, I was a teenager in the 80s, but I grew up, you know, in the 1970s. And there was, like, there was not much, you know, not much in terms of references and not much in terms of, uh, you know, I mean, even, like, entertainment-wise. Although, like you said, I think we're of an age. I think we grew up about the same time and stuff. I'm 44. You don't have to. I am going to be 48 on Monday. Yeah, oh, happy birthday to you. I'm so sorry that you're a Capricorn. I am not. I'm a Sagittarius. Oh, darling. Oh, you Excuse me. Saturn has been in my sun for the last three years, and I am having a party on the 19th when it goes out. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm at the tail I, end. I'm, I'm... I'll, I'll admit that I, I don't really believe in astrology. I'm like a bad witch in that regard, and... It's I don't know exactly when things fall. I just know that I was born January 4th, so I am a Capricorn. You are a Capricorn. El- yeah, Elvis and Nixon and maybe <laughs> Jesus, you know. Um, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, we're just kind of yeah. – and Doreen Valiente. See, I mean, I, I, astrology, you know. I'm I'm really an amateur, and it's only like in the last few years that I've really, I guess, have, have made it – and when I say study, I don't mean like I've really been like nose to the grindstone studying. It's been like here and there and everywhere whenever I can get like a few minutes. And I know a little bit. And, you know, what did, what did Swift say? A little learning is a dangerous thing. So I try not to get like too caught up in like trying to tell people what I think I know. Because <laughs> I know just a smidgen and whatnot. But, um, yeah, that's actually something that I'm, I'm, I'm working on in terms of, like, an article is, is, uh, is to write, I survived Saturn in my son, and so can you. Because <laughs> if yeah. God help me, if I, if I could do this uh, over the last three years, then, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's been, it's been kind of crazy. Just a little. <laughs> I, I, think, I think for me, though, the last, especially the last five or six years, it's been harder when it comes to astrology for me to deal with it because it feels like people talk about mercury retrograde every three weeks. It's like, 
it never ends or it just ends <laughs> for 10 days and then it starts again. And any sort of problem that people have gets blamed on Mercury retrograde. Well, you know, my reading comprehension was bad because of Mercury retrograde or my, that email did not go through probably because of Mercury retrograde and my TV reception is bad because of Mercury retrograde. I mean, it's like all these different things. I'm fighting with my spouse because of Mercury <laughs> retrograde. And, You're taking away all you know, my excuses, Jason. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it, it just feels like to me like nothing would ever get done uh, if oh, Mercury for sure. retrograde was always this big thing that hung over everyone in this huge way that people talk about it online. Well, I think um, there's a there's a um, a woman that I follow on on Facebook um, who is a dear friend, and you know I've I've come to you know come to know her very well. Her name is Carolina Gonzalez, and she does a wonderful and very brief. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to butcher it here um, by paraphrasing it. But basically, it's like she's like you know it's it with with people panicking over Mercury retrograde. It's just another time period. You know, it, and it is, it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things, the way, I mean, the way I see it is this, is that we go through cycles, right, where we do things well, and then we get comfortable, and it's wonderful to be comfortable, but, you know, you can't get com- too comfortable, because then you can get lazy, so it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, oh, remember, you've got to dot your I's and cross your T's and blah, 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 um, but it's certainly nothing to be, you know, scared of and I mean I've 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 joked about it being like haha you know this is going wrong because of mercury retrograde but in the grand scheme of things I mean life goes on you know what I mean um you, you gotta live you're not gonna like you know hide in a hole for three weeks and if you really want to get technical isn't there like a shadow period before so you kind of kind of freaking out then then there's the actual mercury retrograde and you're freaking out then then there's another shadow period after you're freaking out then it supposedly happens three times a year so you know somewhere there's like a week in the whole year every now and again where it's quote safe yeah you know, to do stuff and whatnot so lesson here that's is the it's week never safe you just got a list that's when every book gets written it's during that one week <laughs> oh dear that's the only week we do the show. Everything else is just a tape delay, and I pretend that it's live. You can't give away the industry secrets. You just can't. They, they, oh, dear. Yep. <laughs> the, indus- the industry secrets. So, so, so far we've talked about Bon Jovi and astrology. We're really, I'm really killing it tonight. I'm really letting you and promote Led Zeppelin. your things. And Led Don't Zeppelin. Don't forget Led Zeppelin. Yeah, those are the things. <laughs> Why is it that so many great rock and roll bands have two names like Led Space Zeppelin, Bond Space Jovi, Def Space Leopard, The Space Who, The Space Beatles? Hmm. You know, the only well, then, like, then you have like the greats that only have one name, you know, Cher. There are less of those. Yeah, but she's a solo artist, though. It's different than mm, the band. True, true. What about Queen? It's like the only. The Queen, I was going to say, Queen is the only legitimately, absolutely freaking great band with just like a one syllable name, like boom, Queen. You know? True. Right, because there's there's a lot of. Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd, right? Yeah. You know. (laughs) 
I guess in some places, Leonard Skinnerd. <laughs> hmm. You know, now I'm going to be thinking about maybe, this. Maybe Kit. Maybe, but calling them great, they're not. They're very good, but they're not on the scale of Zeppelinish stuff. Right. Or Queen? No, it just doesn't. Or know. Queen? Uh, no. Not the same. No. Mm-mm. No, few bands reach like queen levels. I mean, it's like only eight other bands are in queen levels of greatness. Just oh, sorry, Queen is another band that I absolutely love. Like, and you know, even The Doors. I mean, they have the the. You don't just say I'm listening to Doors. I'm listening to The Doors. King Crimson. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely and something. Truly great that's, that is something artist. to think. Truly great solo artists can often be summed up in one word, like you said, share, but also print. And if you say mm. Tory, it's obvious that you're just talking only about Tory. And if there's no other Tory, just right. Tory Amos, you know, it's Tory. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, we look at him listening to Bruce. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen. One word. Another Bruce, Jersey guy. Bruce. Another Jersey guy. He's apologized for that many times. <laughs> Oh no, poor New Jersey, my poor home state. We re- we really we're not so bad, really. We 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 produced a, a few okay people, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just a couple. If you say <laughs> you so. But, I'm I mean, from Jersey. Is it the, is it the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There, there's you. There's um, me, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, what, uh, and there the list that? ends. Okay. <laughs> well, there's what's the name of that? Um, the the Blair Witch. The Blair Witch is from New Jersey. There you go. Are they really? I guess the, the folks a, who made that film the are they're, they're from the New film. Jersey. Yeah, the film took place in New Jersey. Why didn't I know that? Oh my gosh! All right, I gotta because because it's, it's terrible. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. Terrible. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, to talk about witchy stuff, I you know like everyone comes on this show and they want to, they want to promote things, and that's fine. And we'll, we're going to talk about your new book. But first, I want to ask you: this year, you've written well, you did it last year, but it came out this year. You've written in Llewellyn's Magical Almanac, the Witch's yeah. Spell a Day Almanac, Llewellyn's Herbal Almanac. And Llewellyn's Sabbath Almanac. That is a ton of almanac writing. What could, Ooh. I mean, I write for some of these things, but how could you possibly write for all of those? And what are your articles in those almanacs about? Because that is a lot of almanacking. Oh, dang. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm trying to think of what, because um, <laughs> it's all a blur, because believe it or not, I've already started like pulling together some ideas for next year. Oh dear! I like the almanacs because they're they're shorter. You know what I mean? They're shorter pieces, and they're also you know it's it's not like writing a book. And you know what it's like writing a book. It's you know it's yeah. it's, it's it's you know I mean it's, it's massive and it's mammoth and it's you know, um, and now and you've and you've co-authored one now which I cannot wait to read. Oh my gosh, um, I think I'm trying to think what did I do this year. Um, in the Sabbaths, I 
think I did the one that came out this last year. I did the old ways. So I did, I did mm-hmm. that one for the Sabbaths. Um, and the thing is, you know what? I really, really, really like history. Um, again, amateur historian. I love digging into things. I mean, one of the, the funnest things I like focused on in that one was, um, and I think it was for Lamas, and I could be wrong about this, but I just don't have it in front of me, um, was like the role of gloves in Lamas. You know, which is which is kind of cool because I also I also have like this thing, you know, I I like fashion and, and, you know, the history of fashion and things like that. Um, So that was really a lot of fun to write, Um, you know, so and and again, those were like little brief articles for each Sabbath. And, you know, once you you know, you get that rolling and everything, it's 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 easier to produce um, 500 words relatively quickly and. They might not be the greatest 500 words at first, but, you know, it's easier to edit those than, like, you know, how – I forget, like, (laughs) you were killing me with your word counts the other day. It was, like, 20,000-word chapter, and I'm like, oh, my God, I I know the 20,000-word chapter thing. And it's, you know, it's it's massive, you know. Um, When I I think the first draft of Magical Destinations of the Northeast was over – 100,000 words, and it was 300 pages. I mean, that's like almost a ream of paper. You know, and you're looking yeah, at this is... thing, and you're like, I did this? I made these. Yeah. <laughs> you and know, I mean, witch... it's... And for like a pagan or a witch book, that is really long. I mean, a lot of these books are not that long. Yeah, well, right? I, mean, I mean, well... I don't, I don't think most of them are 100,000 words. That's a lot of words. Well, that, yeah, I, that was a vast topic. Um you know, that, that was a vast topic and I had to like, and I had to cut it down. It was, you know, and and it's kind of good that it's like, I'd rather produce too much than have to like come up with more. Um, but there was, I had a lot to work with and I had to pick and choose because there's like, there's just so many cool places, um, in America, you know, for, for people to go and see and everything. So, I mean, in that sense, my job was kind of easy. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, the almanacs and the and and the uh, the annuals are they're they're delightful to write, you know, because it's like I also That's like okay can... better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one and done, right? <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like by hour. If you were to look at you know what you're getting paid an hour to write, weirdly, oh, I know. I think that it... the, the the annuals pay better. It's true, though. You know, I mean, it's it's all about, yeah, you know, it 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 really is, and then it's about sales afterwards. You know, ergo, everybody you know wants to like promote and stuff like that. Um, it's it's a hard business. It's not an it's not an easy, you know, because there is the business aspect to it. I mean, you know, as much as you know, there is a spiritual aspect to it. It's that there is the business end of it, and it's it's not easy, you know, especially for for right. authors and. There's big misconceptions. <laughs> there, know? there are. I, I rethink sometimes about how much pagan authors make, and it like no, it's not. It's, for yeah. most people, it's, it's not, not swimming pools and movie stars. <laughs> it's not even rent for most people anymore. I mean, it's no. it's a small amount of money. Yeah. All things for considered. a vast amount I mean, of work. Make, yeah, you make a dollar, a little less than a dollar a book. If you sell 4,000 books, that's in in this day and age in pagan publishing, that's pretty good. Yeah. That 
you know, a, a little less than $4,000, you know, considering that you worked on that book for, wow, like six months, a year, maybe longer, maybe less yeah. if you're uh, Tempest Zakroff, but, you know, <laughs> who writes really fast, you know. And never and, sleeps. Yeah. And never sleeps and then does a bunch of art and does a bunch of belly dancing and it's, just kills it all the time. She makes me feel like a complete failure in life, really. No, we're not complete failures. <laughs> she's like, she's at least just a, a goddess. Failure. She is. She's pretty awesome. But yeah, yeah. it's the it is. Do you do any writing outside of magical stuff? Um, yeah, I mean I I've I've done like some, some fiction novels and things. Um I personally like the nonfiction stuff better. Um, and I've also done like, you know, oddly enough, I mean, in, in other, in, in other, not other lifetimes, but in, in other dimensions, um, grant writing and things like that. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it helps people out and, you know, it, it has, it's, it, you know, it's, it, it's a little bit more, um, how do I want to put this? The re- the reward also, and this is this is also with the annuals as well. Um, it could take a long time for you to feel like when you've written a book that like you've actually achieved something. Um, the annuals is almost like an instant gratification, and grant writing can do that as well um, because you know in in three to six months you you know if you've gotten your you know award from whoever um, it is that you're you know you're doing the grant writing for. You know, and then usually you get some feedback, you know what you could do better for next time, and then the process starts all over again, and you get another chance, which is nice. You know, um, in publishing, sometimes you don't get another chance, you know, because um, that's, that's true, too. Um, so, yeah, now I do, I, I try to, like, exercise that muscle as much as I possibly can um, in different ways, you know, and it's good. It's good to put that to use, so. Well, one of the things about books that I don't think people realize is just how long it takes for a book to come out through a Wiser or Llewellyn. I mean, you turn it in, and then if you're lucky, a year from then is when it comes out. By the time you're doing your final edits on a book, like, you know, on a book, you don't even remember writing it. It just feels like oh, it's yeah. so long ago. I mean, from, like, okay, like, say for the for the Witch's Athame, right? That's That's one of yours, right? Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. How long yeah. did it take you from the time you proposed it to the time it actually came out? They actually, I didn't propose it. They actually asked me if I'd write a book for them. So that was that was really awesome. nice. Uh, yeah, but that was in May, and then I got the book turned in in the following March, and it came out the following February. The original draft was due. December 31st and they told me it wasn't long enough so I had a couple mm. of months to go back and write a little extra but yeah right. it was a year and a half yeah that's half. that's typical though that is that yeah. is typical and it's weird because like so much can happen in that year and a half you know um yeah. other books can come out um you have other projects going on um because you know nine times out of ten that's not the only thing you're working on um, you know, and, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's not an, it's not an easy process. Um, you know, and in terms of monetary reward, there's really, 
you know, you, there's really, it's not like a big pot of gold, <laughs> um, but you know, you do it because it's you love it. Not even a Bitcoin. Not even a <laughs> Bitcoin. I mean, it's really small. Is that insane? like a Bitcoin now? Like a whole Bitcoin is worth like thousands and thousands and thousands. I've heard. Yeah, like ten thousand dollars or something. Yep. And it's not even real money. It's pretend money. Yeah, one Bitcoin right now equals six sixteen thousand seven hundred and seventy six dollars and one penny. Damn. Oh my god. Damn, gosh. I know we've made mistakes. See, another mistake in my life. I should have. I should have. You should have started mining yeah. them bitcoins a long time ago. <laughs> That's right, but but it's like by the time one of the, I guess one of the things about the annuals is you turn it in and then it comes out you know fairly soon and you yep. don't have to do a whole lot of work for it, which is nice. Yeah, like it's it's more instant gratification oh. in a way. Well, I mean, as instant as instant's going to be, you know, it's within a year. Even that's a year, though, too, because you figure yeah. you get your ideas in, in in May or ish or like April, May. Right. Uh, the articles are usually due around between September and October, something like that. Yeah, and then they come out a year later. And they come out a year later, yeah. And you'll probably and you get yeah. edits in between that, yeah. You know, and proofs and stuff. So yeah, it take it takes I time. Pub- yeah, publishing takes time. I don't usually. It's just like, oh, this is fine. And I never hear from him again. <laughs> like, oh my God! Thanks. Yeah, no. I'm always fixing stuff. I like to send in books and stuff that are like done completely. Like you know, like I don't want to go back and have to rewrite it a second time. This is what you get, and it's done. Tempest, like we're working with Tempest on our book. Like you know, her idea is just to kind of like the first draft that she turns in really is her first draft. She's going to go back and fix it. I turn it in, and I don't want to fix anything. It's completely done, you know. But everybody oh, you're writes good. differently. I did. Well, well I, I like also revision. Write super slow. Right. Yeah, super I mean, slow. I I don't know if I would call myself fast, but I mean, like usually, um, you know, I'm I'm also like editing as I go along, which is weird. But I mean, with um, with Magical Destinations, when I turned it in, the, when I turned in the first draft. Um, I had to go back and I had to cut, but I also had to add. So it was like I said, it was it was about a little over a hundred thousand words, maybe a hundred and three, something like that. Um, I had to cut it back to eighty five thousand words, but then I had to add stuff too, which was interesting. That was that was an interesting process. Um, so yeah, I mean it's yeah. And you're always fixing things. I mean, I remember fixing things up until like the very, very end. I'm like, oh, can we, can we tweak this and that and the other thing? You know. We um, always find out more things that you want to add. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, no, especially with 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 the uh, with uh, the Magical Destinations book. It was just like I hated cutting some of the stuff that I that I had to cut um, just because, and I was trying to like figure out like clever ways to hack it in there. Um, and it worked with a couple of things, but not everything, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. they, the, those sites are going to turn out to be like blog posts or something later down the road or something like that. So, or an article that might okay. be something interesting yeah. too. Well, I think, I think, I think smart writers don't waste anything, and you recycle it and you use it for other things. Like, oh yeah, I remember, I remember, you know, when I wrote the Witch's Book of Shadows. I'm going to kiss my wife real fast. Yes. Yeah. Because you know, love. She just came oh, home from work. Well, I've, and 
one of my favorite parts of the book got uh, completely torn out of it. That was a bad decision. So it became a blog post, and it got read 10,000 times and sold copies of the book. So it all worked out. But, yeah, you gotta you got to reuse yeah, no, you're always there's there's nothing nothing that's the one thing that's nice about the writing is that nothing is really ever wasted ever. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can recycle stuff and add to it and add more to it and embellish things and whatnot. So Yeah. When we when we told all of the writers of Papios, Pagan, when Te- when Tempest and I told them that their submissions to the Witch's Altar book were not going to be used. They were very happy to publish them. So it worked yeah. out for them. And that, you know, it wasn't wasted at all. Though some of them were very sad and disappointed that, you know, they lost out on being in a, in a Llewellyn book. But, you know, probably the blog post is better for them monetarily. You know, it depends on what, you know, like I said, it, it, things don't work out in one way. They work out in another way. Um, you know, because I've had, like, I've had deals fall through and, and, you know, and other things like that happen. I mean, I remember when, like, I guess, like, before, when my first, before my first book came out, and it was a fiction book, and I, co- I had co-authored it with a friend of mine. And um, at that time, we were looking for an agent to represent us. And, and oddly enough, it was published by Llewellyn when Llewellyn – um, had their young adult imprint, which was called Flux. That was like back in 2010, 2011, because that's when we sold it. Somewhere, actually, it might have been even in 2009. That's when we sold it. Um, and we were looking for an agent, and um, we had sent the manuscript to this one particular um, that I guess we had met at a conference, or I had seen speak at a conference or something like that. And she contacted us, and you wouldn't hear a bigger cheerleader for this book than this particular agent and um, gave us all sorts of things to fix it and whatnot. And we did the revision and we got it back to her, um, you know, and we're waiting. And actually while we were waiting on her to answer like for the next, whatever the next step was um, another agent contacted us and was interested in reading more. And we were like, Oh, we're really sorry. We're working with so-and-so you know, and in the end, she was like, oh, well, you know, I'm not as thrilled with this as I thought I was in the first place, so sorry. And it was like, Ouch. what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? And the thing is, we couldn't go back to the other agent because it was like we said we were working with so-and-so. So, I mean, that was a lesson learned until the ink is dry. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was, that was, yeah. But, you know, it all worked out for the best. I I love my, my literary agent. She's awesome. Um, we've done a lot of good work together and everything. And, and uh, you know, so the other one was just not meant to be. You know, sometimes you just got to let this stuff go. So. Are you still going to try to get the young adult book published? Oh, it got published. Or did you get it? It was published, published was that, that was through, through Flux. That was when, yeah, when yeah. Llewellyn had their young adult imprint, they, they, we actually sold it without an agent. Um, and then we, that's, when we, um, that's when we got, um, after, after, that was, after that was sold, then we started querying again, and that's when um, we found Natalie. That's Agent Natalie. It's weird. Now I know all these Natalies. My my literary agent is Natalie, as well. Yeah, I, just, um, I just assumed you were talking about yourself. You know, like The Rock. You just speak about yourself in the same <laughs> person. Oh God, no! Oh no, no, no! Um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, so, yeah, Flux published it, and, you know, it's just a fun little book. It's called Sirens. It's about um, these two teenagers that get roped into being Hades, Hades's, Hades, Hades's, Sirens, and they have to lure souls to the underworld for him, so. Wow. Interesting book, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you you basically, you write those kind of books in the hope that someone is going to, want to turn it into a TV show at some point. And then, and then the real money comes in and then you'll be the, the witch, the richest witch in the history of like published witchcraft. And I'll be like, I knew her then before oh, my her, goodness. her young adult fiction was on the sci-fi channel or the CW, you know, from your lips to the and goddess's I'll, ears. Okay. <laughs> and I'll be begging you. I'll be begging you for a job as like, you know, technical advisor on, stuff you know that that'll be it so hey you know talking about a lot yeah oh yeah i was gonna say didn't they not make they didn't make game of thrones until years after it was published right (laughs) they didn't make that into a tv show right so there's still a chance for me (laughs) there is there is you know it's when you sign like a contract with Llewellyn you sign half of your adaptation rights away it's like they go to Llewellyn because, you know, when I was signed the Witches Athame book, I was like, you know, this is certainly going to be a History Channel show. And then what What happened? Oh, I knew it wasn't going to be a History Channel show. I mean, that's, there's like no hey, way. Hey, you never that know. That would be cool, but there's like no way. The Witches so, Tool Series. They got to bring back like those. Do you remember? Okay. Do you remember when – I'm sorry. I'm being, like, all interrupty and everything. It's Mercury Retrograde. Don't mind me. No. Um, sorry. <laughs> Do you remember um, a series of books, like, they were from Time Life, and it was, like, The Strange and Unknown, and they had some yeah. TV shows like that, too. See? They've got to bring that back. And then they bring that back. Well, they will make the Witch's Tool series a, a learning channel or history channel thingy. A show well, series. I remember the 90s back when the History Channel and the Discovery Channel used to have nights dedicated to weird things like, you know, maybe like occult things or witchcraft or hauntings or whatever. And I would watch those shows religiously. And now they don't do those kind of things. I mean, there's just, they're just not a place for them really on television. It's all, you know, Ice Road Truckers and, you know, Duck Dynasty and garbage reality shows like that. And it makes me happy. There was, like, this great show that was on in 1997 called Beyond Bizarre. And we, like, Ari and I watched it all the time. And they had, like, witch stuff, you know, on there and things. But they don't make those now. They just, you know, make terror, like, Pawn Stars. What the hell does that have to do with history? You know, I got your pawn no. star right here. You know, I'm sorry, I'm just, it's a, it's a, it's a no, I, I, I feel you. I get it. No, I understand because <laughs> there's a lot of garbage on TV now. So, you know, but yeah. I really don't, like I said, I don't, I don't really watch it, you know, so I haven't, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I get the gist of it because, like, I'll see people refer to it on Facebook and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds, you know. And the fact that you could, like, glean what the whole show is about from, like, one or two Facebook posts or one or two social media yeah. posts, it's like, oh, okay, I got this. Yeah, okay, I get it. I understand. Moving on time. <laughs> so, 
So as we've spent 45 minutes just, you know, randomly talking about things that just interest us, I <laughs> want to talk to you about your new book before we run out of time. It's called okay. Color and Conjure Rituals and Magic Spells to Color. This sounds really different and unique. Uh, what's what's the story behind the book? What is your involvement in it? And that's a, you know specifically because there's another name on the cover, Wendy Martin. I think she did the art and you wrote the spells. Yes, and I, and yeah, you you wouldn't want me making color and pages. <laughs> okay, um, it, it that just that just wouldn't work. Um, yeah, this this book was inspired actually by another coloring book that Wendy had done and she had asked me to be a part of and she wanted to do this animal mandala coloring book and she was like can you want to work on it with me and I'm like what am I going to do I'm going to color in it right because I can't I I obviously I'm not going to be drawing any animals or anything else you know Um, she's like no no I want you to write a little meditation to go with each with each mandala and I'm like oh that's kind of a cool idea so after toying around with it, I, what I ended up with was I came up with like a three-part meditation, which was a, a, f- a few keywords, um, a, a little brief kind of description, and then that particular animal's message for you as you color. Or you could just color the page. You know, it could be either one. But it was mm-hmm. interesting to have those those words there as a kind of a supplement to the coloring. And, you know, that – gave me some food for thought because I had been doing the cell day at that point for a couple of years. And I was like, this is a really kind of a cool concrete way. Cause I've always, when it comes to spell work and magical work and prayer, whatever, whatever name it is, you want to call it. Um, I've always felt that adding action to anything makes it more powerful. Either it focuses your mind. It, you know, um, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of like just walking meditation where you're just kind of walking oh, and you sure, kind yeah. of, yeah, right? Um, so even like just even a simple action like that um, would, would helps you to focus. And coloring, you know, is something that releases – anyone could do it, you know, whether you're old or young, whether you're – you know, it, it really doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's, coloring books are not just for kids, and I don't mean like just the subject matter. Um, just having that activity, that repetition um, – that goes that you can do kind of mindlessly. I mean, I know people who can like kind of knit mindlessly. I I can't, I always have to be counting and stuff or I'll totally screw things up. Um, Even when I get into a rhythm of, of things. Um, But coloring was different coloring, you know, you were, you're unleashing creativity, but you're also focusing. And I was like, wouldn't it kind of be cool to take the spells and make them physical in a way Um, that's something very specific to that particular spell or prayer or whatever it is. Um, and I also am, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm not, I'm not really crafty. I don't really make a lot of stuff um, or I'll do, I will make it, but like they're all Pinterest fails. Um, they're the kind of stuff that like you can, you know, kind of destroy, you make things to destroy them, <laughs> you know, consumables, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. They could be ugly, but they're good. Um, that kind of thing. Um, not that any picture in this book is ugly because it's not, um, you know, that's, that's not what I was, was getting at, but like, I, I like crafty things and I also like consumable things. And I was like, let's make something that would like, we can actually, like, you could take the page and you color it. You could just color it if you want, but maybe you can like make something out of it or you can bury it or you can burn it 
Um, or you can, you know, do some sort of physical action with it and whatnot. So I'm actually hoping that when people get their hands on this book, they rip it apart. They really, you know, they'll take it and they'll make the stuff with it. Like there's one thing where you can make a wand out of the coloring page, you know. Um, there's another where you like, uh, where I suggest that you like make uh, smudge bundles or you can, you know, take uh, – take the page outside after you color it and, and pile it up with stones and let like nature take its course with it. You know, um, so, so I just, you know, I thought so it was the, like a fun way to do the spells. Yeah. So the spells aren't just coloring. They're taking what you've colored and doing things with them. Correct. You know, I mean, but yeah. you can also just color the pictures, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's however people want to see this book, go for it. You know, because that's how it is with any kind of art or writing, right? Your reader is going to take it, and they're going to take it in their own direction. So, Well, in some ways, I think, you know, a book becomes as much the reader's book as it does the author's because, you know, you just – everybody interprets things in their own way. Absolutely. And those interpretations are just as valid as the creator's interpretations to some degree. Oh, sure. For sure, yeah. for definite sure. You know, I mean, even in, like, different workshops that I've done um, since the book came out, I've, you know, done a couple, pulled a couple of different of the uh, the coloring pages out and talked about what my suggestions were. But it was really interesting to see, and I was so glad that, like, people just didn't all, just automatically – some people followed my instructions, which was, which was wonderful, but others took it in their own direction. Um, like, there was this, there's this one um, – where uh, you make this wheel, okay? It's like the ch- it's called the chill out wheel, I think. And um, you know, like when you have like a board game, there's like a spinner, you know, like you spin the mm-hmm. thing and it, it goes out. Okay. So in this particular spell per se, it's like you you have this wheel and you write on the wheel all the things that stress you out, right? And except instead of a little arrow, the um, the the spinner part is an icicle, and you would turn it to whatever it is that's stressing you out to chill it out, to cool it down, right? And there's other suggestions for, like, you know, putting, um, uh, you know, different, like, you know, incorporating different crystals and stuff and crystal chips and colors and other things into this, you know, into making this wheel, um, you know, to kind of give it more, you know, it's because it's a prop, it's exactly what it is. It's a prop, you know, to, to give it more power to you to, you know, empower yourself with it. Um, and there's this one guy um, at this, at a, one of the first workshops that I did, and he took the wheel and instead of like putting like what stressed him out, he put on it like the things that like actually like made him feel calm, you know, and it, it was like he would turn it to that. So it's like if he was stressed out, he would be like, okay, this is something that like makes me feel good. And whatnot, and focus on that. And I was like, he just turned it around and made it his own, and it was just, it was just awesome, you know, to see what he did with it. So fabulous. Mm. I like it. I like, I like kind of the change. And I'm always in, in awe of people who can take art and do good things with it, because I am not one of those people. What do you mean? Like not being able to not 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 being able to draw? I'm sure. Like if you got like a, a you know a page in front of you, you'd be able to do something awesome with it. You would you would think, but no. I usually just yell for my wife to fix it for me. Because <laughs> you know that to me that's what a, a good magical relationship's about. Anyway, there's there's the give and take between yes, the two of us. 
And she does a lot of things better than I do. She does most things better than I do. She just chooses not to speak too often in public because she's smarter than me. <laughs> the public arena. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it, can be, it can be problematic. So, you know, this is our Yule episode. So I feel like I should ask you, what do you do for Yule? Oh, dear. Okay, so year to year, especially in the last few years, it's been different because our household has been changing. Um, I have now two kids in college and a third about to go as well. So it's like little by little, like people have been like leaving the house, although they come back, um, you know, for for different things and whatnot. They never, you know, stray too far from home. But it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's slowly but surely like the nest has been kind of emptying out. And whatnot, um, but we do a lot of like the same things. Like we always decorate for 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 Yule, um, and we do like a lot of Yule slash Christmas because I mean that's what the bulk of my family celebrates, um, and it's still very much a part of my own traditions. And I feel, um, and I've said this before, it's like that for a long time I felt like I needed to give these things up, and then I'm like, wait a minute, no, 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 no. If I want, if part of my path is to honor my ancestors then this is something I must do. Um, So every year there are certain things that happen at this time of year. Um, First, my birthday is the 18th, so that kind of kicks things off. And actually, um, we have birthdays every week from the middle of November all the way through to the first week of January. So it's like there's there's, – it's like the months of celebration, you know, um, which is which yeah, is everything's kind of contained in just a small period of time. Yes, in the craziest time of the year, go figure. <laughs> you know, um, but we always like my mom who turned eighty nine this month. Um, we always get our tree on her birthday, and we put it up on her birthday, um, and decorate it on her birthday. And our our tree is a hodgepodge of many many ornaments, some that date back to before I was born, which is nice. So it's always like a kind of a, yeah, it's kind of like a, 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 a pulling out like of a time capsule every year and seeing these, these same things every year. And I, it makes me think about like the many times that I've moved and how like these things survived and they've come with us. And like every year they, they all come out, um, you know, and, and, and come out to play at this, at this time of year Um, on the actual solstice, um, which is my Nani's birthday on the 20th or 21st I believe it's on the 21st so it's like right around there is my is my grandmother's birthday my mom's mom um who passed away when I was five um so we do a yule log on the actual solstice and then um on the um on the 24th we go um we used to go to my my aunt's house um who has who passed away in 2016 uh and now we go to one of her children's house and my mom's side of the family is Italian. Um, so it's the night of the fishes and we have this, mm-hmm. you know, it's like all like, you know, the fish seafood and whatnot. Um, and I have to make, my job is I have to make the spaghetti, um, which is like this, uh, kind of anchovy breadcrumb thing, which is actually quite nice. Um, and it's that like, a lo- there's a- I'm sorry. Anchovy sounds, that just sounds wrong. Oh, no, no, no. It's so yummy. It's, it's, it's so good. Well, I guess maybe it's an acquired must taste. must be a but Jersey I, thing. That's, we're just going to chalk it up to that. 
Okay, that's fine. Fine. My, my New Jersey pasta, that's what I have to make on, on, Christmas, on Christmas Eve. Um, then my family comes over on, on Christmas Day. And then on the 31st, I do a little ritual um, where I do a clock reading with, my, with, with the tarot. Um, and for anyone who wants it um, in, the fam- in, the, in the family, but I might actually open it up and I might actually do some – I might actually go, go for it and do a couple of public readings this year. Um, which I don't do too often, and it's a clock reading. So I do like a reading for the whole year um, with like an overarching kind of feeling to it. And I posted, I think, my last year's one on Instagram. But it's just like a a card for every month. Um, and, you know, I do some like, you know, goal setting and, 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 um, and meditation and, and whatnot. And then the new year begins. Um, and then we have my, um, my niece's birthday and uh, – the King's Day on the sixth, and we've been what we've been doing for that has been like making the king cake with the little um, like charm inside where you can be king for a day. Mm-hmm. So right. just lots of like little 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 bitty things, and a lot of it's to honor ancestors, and a lot of it is goal setting. And you know, depending on what's going on, things might get shifted around. Because yeah, I got new moon on my birthday this year, so I might actually switch things up and 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 do a little intention setting for that. So. Yeah, um, you know, I, I love this right. time of year. Very festive. Um, my wife and I do kind of Christmas and Yule at the same time, you know, and because Christmas is a holiday everyone celebrates whether they want to or not because everything <laughs> is closed because it's a national holiday. You know, we unwrap presents that day because what else is there to do? There's nothing else to do. You know, we might as well wait. Celebrate Yule with the coven and then celebrate Christmas with us because we've got nothing better to do. You know what, actually, you know what I I might end up doing this year um, at Yule, which is kind of cool. Here in New Jersey, (laughs) um, one of the things that has, that has happened in in one of our, one of the towns up here is that, and not, not a big surprise, but um, this one town has decided that they're not going to do religious displays in front of their municipal building anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be like secular stuff. Okay, fine. However, this year's display includes a crush, a menorah, and Thor's hammer. So I think I'm going to be going up and seeing this before it comes down. So yeah, I don't know. I can't. Yeah, no, because I've never, I've never, I've never heard of that before in like, you know, in a municipality. Um, And I'm not sure if the hammer is in because I was looking at some news stories about this. and I'm not sure if the hammer is in the park, or if it's in front of the municipal building, but it's in a public, it's in a public place. So I'm going to find this out. And then I'm going to go and visit because I think that that's that is an that is an awesome thing, even if they're not going to ever do it anymore, because you know you it's 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 any any religious stuff. They're not they're not posting anything, um, which is which is fine. Um, but the fact that 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 kind of squeaked in there at the last you know at the last, I think that that's that's pretty awesome. So, I think that's worth seeing. Yeah, oh, I'd do that in a heartbeat. There's like nobody religious in California, so there's like not anything to see either okay. way. You know, there's. We have a lot of pagans, but, you know, we're not making displays. And I think there's eight churches within, you know, 20 miles of us. I mean, it's just, there's, like, not a lot of super open religious people, which is fine. I like missing some of that. So we're almost, we're almost out of time. Uh, so before 
I let you go and we move on with with our evenings. Where can people find you online? Where can they learn more about you? Where can they buy your stuff? Okay, let's see. Um, you can find out all about me um, at my website, which is real easy to remember. It's just my name, nataliezaman.com. Or if you want to get a little more complex, nataliezaman.blogspot.com. Um, and I have a, um, um, a tab under there um, on that website that has, like, all of the books, like anything I've contributed to, and I'm always updating that whenever I can. Um, and, you know, you could get um, – a lot of my books are published by Llewellyn. So you can buy it from their website or you can, you know, you can go to like, you know, the big guys, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or you can do my favorite thing in the world, which is go and find your indie bookshop, your local indie bookshop, your local, um. your local small dealer and buy it from them. And if, if they don't have it, be a little bit patient, ask for it. They'll order it for you. They'll be happy to order it for you. Um, and you'll be supporting small businesses and a great place to find uh, your it, local indie bookstore is um, IndieBound.com, um, which uh, I believe is you know you you put in the title and it'll show you all the different places where you can um, where you can purchase said book. Um, I think there's also a place where you could search by zip code as well. So there you go. Excellent. Shop small business. I love talking to you. It is always fun. I oh, one day I'm so going to meet you face to face, and it's going to be oh, really for sure. great. Oh, for yeah. sure. I've got to get but out I, to the West but, Coast again. I miss it desperately. Yeah. We want, we want you here. We want you at Pantheon or something. Yes, one day. One day I shall make it out one there. Day. <laughs> one day she'll get there. I can't sing anymore. We'll have to pay for the right to the song. <laughs> Natalie, thank you so much for being here. I know, I know Pammy is waiting to do her show. Pamit's porch, which is going to start as soon as I shut up. Right? <laughs> Thank you so laughing. much for having me. I always laughing. like talking to you too. This is awesome. Excellent. I like Thank talking to Natalie too. I feel left out. Yeah, I feel right. left out because I like yeah. talking to Natalie too. Instead I could always come on again, and we could just we could just we could just hang out and talk on the porch. It doesn't have to be about anything. Sure. Right? Yeah. Why not? Sure. Sure. Hey, and and I've been. Yeah. I told people when you when you were on the show, uh, uh, when we talked about the coloring book, that that groups of people, like a, a study group, could get them and work together. Because you're doing workshops with that. Yeah. Speaking of workshops, yeah. don't you don't you have something coming up with my guest? You're like neighbors, aren't you, Linda? Oh, Linda. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so Linda and I are planning um, to do a tea type thingy. Um, over by um, somewhere in New Jersey. I think it's probably up by New Providence or something like that. I know she knows all the details. So, I'm throwing her off. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, she, she knows all the details. Is she, is she here? Well, she's yeah, got, she's, she's I can hear stuff in the background. And so I, I put her live and then I had to take her off again. So let's see, maybe she heard yeah, she us and I'll put her live again. Linda. Linda. Okay, we'll we'll wait. <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna mute her. Jeez. Oh no. She's, she's rattling around. <laughs> As they say in the Exorcist, be silent. No, that's terrible. <laughs> I watched that movie way too many times. Oh I dear. That. I love that movie. So don't mess around with so Captain Pammy, I, I, 
while you're here, uh, it's, next week will be next in two weeks. I will be you know having a rerun night because uh, I'll be celebrating the okay. solstice or Yay, something. So, so okay. you know now. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dozens of raise the horns radio fans, but we'll be back in January with Jenny Beachy. You, I think is gonna is my plan. So that's gonna be. You have, I know. You have. I mean, people who dozens. just talk to me about the podcast now. They don't know that I write books Yay. or anything else. They're like, oh. I listened to the podcast. I'm like, really? Thank you. You're very kind. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's way cool. Um, well, uh, thank you for listening. Thank yeah, yeah. So anyway, Natalie, thank you, Pam. Good luck with your show. I have to go teach my witchcraft 101 class. It is time, so I have to have run. Have fun. Have a wonderful solstice, and we shall see yeah, you next happy year, solstice, darling. Happy Yule. I've got a song to play oh. play you out. You ready for it? Okay. Yay. Yep. Play me out. This is your song. It's S.J. Tucker. Uh, she released like two years ago. It's the Feast of Crosses.
Oh, my goodness. That's Jay Tucker, the Feast of Krampus. Hey, it's Pam. It is time for Pam's Porch. Got the fire going. Uh, got some tea boiling up now. And we're going to go ahead and do another tune uh, for the season. Let's do uh, – I want to do it with sale because we'll talk about this. This is one of the things that we're going to be talking about. You might have heard, you know, about people going with sailing and uh, you wonder, what the heck is that? Well, you know, that's one of the things we'll talk about. So here's Somerset with Sale.
it was kind of difficult to get us to write or read. Um, okay. And that Cypherin and Gazinta. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> I, I did one on uh, Christmas traditions. And oh, because good. this is stuff that I love this stuff. And uh, and so when I got this book from Llewellyn, I just squeed because there's so many different things in here that I think can help people on so many levels. The the one that I I have, I guess the one thing that I want to say flat out, you know, that this book has a lot of answers and a lot of questions. Um, I one of the things that annoys me, and I hate to start off with a negative, but one of the things that annoys me about um, some people when they get into paganism, they might learn one thing, and they might say, might poo-poo any other person's path or belief. But you go through so much research, and and it's you know there's there's so many stories of okay, well this per this is how it is in Bohemia, this is how it is in the German lowlands, this is what they did through, and this is how it changed through time. And that's the one thing I want to, that I keep trying to tell people is you cannot go with an absolute, your best bet to find how things were is try to look through folklore and try to find out how your people did it maybe. Go ahead. When the early when the early reviews for this book came in on Amazon, I remember I think two came in like on the same day, and one mm-hmm. said, uh, you know, one star. This book is full of Christian references, and then another review said one Sorry. star. This book is a bunch of pagan nonsense. So and it's really <laughs> it's right right I can't I just can't win. But it's it's half it's half Christian and it's half pagan, like Christmas itself, and it's that fusion that makes yeah. Christmas interesting. Like it's why you know I don't why have to purify it either one way or the other. Let the two things they're so like densely tangled now. Let them stay densely tangled because they're interesting that way. I love you right now <laughs> because that's Aww. what I've been saying to people is don't don't flip out and say they stole our holiday. Say they they kept our traditions hidden but there if you know how to look for it. You couldn't and they, be. They is us too. Mm-hmm. You know, who's, they is us. They? they is us. Yeah, they is us. You know, because it was, you know, first it was pagans, they were doing the pagan thing and then they became Christian um, people don't like me to say it, but maybe like at that time it was a lot of upheaval and the paganism wasn't working as well as it was and society was changing and of course our ancestors changed with it or we wouldn't still be here. Right, because things are dynamic. Um, the you know our, our ways, our tradition, even religions are dynamic. And look at where we are now. We're we're back to trying to yeah, we're to coming out find, the end. Right, right. Yeah. And that's what I I I love those two one star reviews. I'm sorry that you got one star, but you cannot <laughs> you cannot separate what 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 Christians did to keep a lot of these traditions going. Uh, you know whether it's under the the guise of um, of Christianity or if it's uh, out and out paganism. Because I like what you're talking, what you talk about in the book about 
um, I'm probably getting ahead of myself. I just played Sam, Santa Claus is Pagan too, and there's been a lot of talk uh, about how the pagan roots of Santa um, and and the connection with Odin and a lot with the the reindeers and and uh, now you said Laplanders prefer to be called Sammy, Sammy. As far as I know, yes, yeah, Sammy. Sammy. Um, I don't know but, any personally, but, we know... but that's what I picked up in my research. Um, that lap and means so we... like someone who wears patched clothing, and it was kind of derogatory. But Sami is their own name for themselves, which is related. Um, you've, you've heard of the Samoya dog, which is named after the yeah. Samoya people in Siberia, and those are they're related. At least they're linguistically related. So um, Samoya and Sami, it's basically the same word. Oh, that's cool. That yeah, cool. right. <laughs> well, and and one of the things that that you go through with within the book too is all the different names of things. And the one I had an aha moment. I don't know why it just never clicked that Chris Kringle, which is another name for Santa Claus that we grew up with, you know, especially if you saw Santa Claus is coming to town, the claymation thing okay, growing yes, up. Yeah. Um, you, I never really considered that is Chris Chris Kindle. Yeah, sorry, I know how to say it. I'm stumbling all over it. Chris Kindle. Yeah, Chris Kindle. Yeah, Chris Kindle. It's the Christ child. It's the Christ child, right. Yeah. And was originally portrayed by a girl. That blew my mind. Yeah, there's a lot kind of cross-dressing at Christmas time. There really is. There really is. I'm, I'm thinking about other things that you didn't cover in the book, but what a really big thing that's uh, popular in England uh, during this time of year is the is pantomime, which is not how we consider pantomime in the United States, where you have somebody in white face that won't speak, that's stuck in a box, that's invisible, or it's pulling a like rope a, like that a, you can't see. Like a play, right? In because they usually do Peter yeah. Pan in Christmas at Christmas in England, but why is it called pan- Peter why Pan at Christmas? It's called pantomime. Go ahead. Why not a play? I've never known why they call it pantomime in England. I don't know. They, they, and they shorten it to panto. It's just panto. Oh, panto. Um, okay. Um, but they have. They do a lot of like uh, Cinderella. When they do Cinderella, the stepsisters are always played by men in drag that are not really trying to hide the fact that they're men in drag. So uh-huh. you get that cross-dressing. And I'm sure that there's some connection with... Pardon? I'm thinking Cinderella should be for Halloween because it's got the pumpkin coach. Because she I don't know. I they, they play... There's a lot of different ones that they do during this time of year. Um, but I'm sure it has some connection with, like, the mummers, which... Um, the the plays that they do around this this time of year, but yours your your book has I, I played again the Santa Claus is Pagan too because they go into a lot more of the like the Odin and the the Norse traditions and we were talking on uh, the Karelian Family Hour last week about uh, Yule and and Egypt and there wasn't really much with solstice in Egypt because they mostly the days were pretty they much the, the same length. 
Right, they're yeah, on the Nile. Yeah, they're like they... running by the Nile. It's all about the Nile and not so much about the sun. There's always sunshine in Egypt. But when you go up north, when you live in northern Europe, this time of year is is very scary. And there's a lot of scariness in in the traditions in Christmas. And I'm sitting here reading reading this book thinking I'm going to find out about, you know, Christmas stockings and and all the the, the pleasant things and and uh and and there there are pleasant things in here, but there's also werewolves and vampires. Mhm. I'm almost thought the vampires were too scary. I wasn't going to put them in, but then I thought, no, you know, they have their day on November 30th, so they really have to be in there. I I thought it was kind of scary, and then my editor at one yeah. point said, you know, it's not really that scary, but I thought it was. It's, some of the things in there scare well, me, especially the vampires. I don't like vampires. But see, that's that's um, you. You talked about uh, your roots to Northern Europe are, are are pretty recent, right? You you visited there as a child, or can you tell a little yeah, bit about like, your? Yeah, I think of us, you know, like I think of us as still like sort of you know like first generation immigrant. But I was thinking back the other day, and actually, our family has been here for. On and off, we've been in New Jersey for over 100 years. But we still mm-hmm. have on my mom's side, um, so my my father's parents came from Germany around 1920. My mother came here in 1954, but her mother was born here. And then um, the my grandmother's father mysteriously disappeared one day, and so the rest of the family went back to Germany. So we have relatives in Germany that we can go and stay with for free. So, so we do do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, and see when you when you get a chance to be able to to live within that culture. I'm I'm a military brat, so I oh, spent, been all over. But, but I spent six of my my teenage years living in Germany, and oh, where being Germany? able to. Um, three years in Spangdalem, which is in uh, it's uh, in the I'm trying to remember the name of the region, the Eiffel region, uh, not far from Luxembourg. Uh, okay. It's a it's Western. it's it's uh, yeah it's Western. It's uh, the Eiffel region, Wittlich, Burncastle, uh, the Moselle. A lot of wine okay, growing around wine. there. Okay. Yeah, and the, and it's still very, it's very very old. There's a lot of old ways still. It's it's very very. Um, when you, I kind of went ooh werewolves, but they put wolvesbane up on the doors during certain times of the year in the village. Oh, they do. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the old. April thirtieth. Do they do Walpurgis night? I believe. There? Yeah, about oh. Pugusnacht, and yeah. I, I really want to read your other book about that, Pugusnacht. <laughs> yeah, I can I can speak. Uh, I'm just in Deutsch. I can speak it. We we won't go into oh, German okay. on the show because that's not fair. But well, uh, a little bit. Much, yeah, there might be some names coming up. But yeah. Yes, it I helps. Think, I think it helps. I think one of the reasons that Krampus has. I think it was it was time. I don't I don't love Krampus. Um, but I think, you know, his time has come, 
and he's having a good run. But one of the reasons he, he works is he's over the top and you can pronounce his name. His name is easy to pronounce. Because there's a lot of other <laughs> yes. companions that you just can't pronounce in English. Well, so I was hoping, never, actually, speaking of Krampus, here. speaking of Krampus, I was actually hoping to, to have had you. I, I, I had a Kronalist on as my guest last, last week, and uh, they're a, a music group out of, um, out of Washington State, and um, they have some songs that are, that are kind of of the, the Norse-type tradition. But um, uh, I was hoping to actually have you on, but I, I, they kind of got a hold of me first because it was December 6th, which here day. in the United States means nothing. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, like when I was in school, yeah. there was one other girl whose whose parents were from Austria, and she we would be like, "So, what'd you get in your shoe this morning?" And that was it. It was just the two of us. <laughs> I totally understand more. that. Had, like, I would get like a piece of chocolate in my shoe. She'd get like socks and all kinds of things. And and but try I not wanna, to get switches and cold. Everybody thinks of Krampus mm-hmm. as German and Austrian, and he is, but they don't have a corner on him because in the Czech Republic, he's known as Chert. It's a C with a circumflex over E-R-T. And Chert, if anything, he's worse than Krampus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're terrifying. He's scary. And they call yeah. uh, St. Nicholas Eve is called Angels and Devil's Night in the Czech Republic. Yeah, there is a very dark, there is a very dark undertone to to Christmas and the Christmas season, which is something that I want to want to have you expand on in a second. But Christmas in Europe, it again, like I was saying, it's not all you know, candy canes and and dancing gingerbread men. There's always this darkness with uh, spirits and fairies and all these characters because the one thing that I I try to bring up to people is it's really dark. And and I know this sounds dumb to people who live like we do. You flip a light switch, no big deal. But when you live in in a place like very far north, like near the Arctic Circle, I'm not just talking about, you know, um, almost the entire day being in darkness. I'm, the, the darkness is oppressive. You can feel it coming down on you, and it is scary. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah, when you have only candlelight, if you have only candlelight between you and that darkness. And I'm, well, I mean, here we have electricity, and I'm in northern New Jersey, and I feel I'm getting depressed with the the darkness coming so feel, early. Yeah. 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 I can't. I so cannot imagine, imagine what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. Even today, to live that far north, I think I would have to take a lot of vitamin D to get through it. Yes. And nowadays they let them take <laughs> vacations to the Mediterranean if they can't hack it. I think like the government pays for you to go to Mallorca for a week, so you know you don't kill yourself because of the darkness. That's a funny thing because you were talking about going to Mallorca for a week and we were talking about Krampus, but I have I have in my, my possession a, a set of uh, playing cards 
that have Schwarzapeta on it. Uh, Black Peter. That ah, now he's. I'm I, mean, I had a afraid. playing card set growing up, but it, he was a cat. He was a black cat in my playing cards. So this is the real guy. Yeah, this is a this is a guy, I'll, and it's much like how you describe him in the book. Um, so Krampus and Schwarzapeta are, or Black Peter are are very similar, but not the same. Can you describe him? Um, well, there's, there's, you were uh, saying... he's a guy in, he's, he's a Dutch character and, mm-hmm. uh, St. Nicholas gives out the gifts, comes and gives out, you know, sort of like a Christmas preview on December 6th or the, the Eve, December 5th, St. Nicholas Eve. And he has this sidekick, Black Peter, who, um, so that, you know, St. Nicholas in, the Netherlands is a bishop, and he's, you know, he's dressed kind of like the Pope. is very fancy, and he rides a white horse, and he can't be going up and down the chimneys. So Black Peter goes up and down the chimneys for him, and if there's bad kids, then supposedly Black Peter will put them in the sack. And they would go around just, you know, visiting into schools. They would appear, and Black Peter was uh, the comic relief. And the thing right. is, though, he's... Um, traditionally, it's a white person in blackface because Black Peter was, he was like, he's, he's dressed like a, um, a 16th century page boy, an African page boy. And so mm-hmm. now this is, this day and age, that's offensive. There are black people, Dutch black people it would be. in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. To me, the solution seems to be have a black kid play him. You know, who wants to play Black Peter and maybe have him actually played by a black kid so we have now more diversity in our Christmas customs? I don't know if that hasn't dawned on them or what. Um, But I can see that. I I don't think Black Peter is scary. But you were saying the reason I brought him when you talked about Mallorca is you were saying that because he was Moorish, he would take mm-hmm. the bad kids away to Spain. <laughs> to Spain, yeah. But I think, right, when Spain and the Netherlands were at war, that was considered hell because, like, oh, my God, they're Catholic down there. Yeah, but now it's like, please, <laughs> take me to Spain. Take me to Spain, please. Please take me to Spain. I, mm-hmm. I want to go ahead and play a real quick song because uh, I want to talk a little bit about you were talking about cross-dressing and then you were talking about diversity and there's something that you brought up um, in your book that I want to talk about with cross-dressing and diversity. I think you understand where I'm going with this, but I'm going to uh, talk to you about it off mic real quick and we'll be back after Bell Book and Canto's Winter Solstice. Yeah. 
Beautiful voices of the women of Bell Book and Canto Winter Solstice. You got to check them out. Bell Book and Canto, like song. Um, they're like, Linda, you probably would like them because they're like. Um, I like their name. I, try to... I love yes. their name because I've, they... I've been riffing on the Bell Book and Candle for like, I've gotten two articles and a craft fair table uh, just by playing with the Bell Book and Candle phrase so bell book and canto that's a new one on me i like that they're like and not everybody music. gets like you can sit you can sit at a craft fair <laughs> with a big sign that says uh-huh. soap book and candle and so far only one person has come up and said oh that's funny i get that nobody else gets it <laughs> well and, and okay. that's what i love about their name bell book and canto well you know yeah, Belbuck and I, Belbuck and Candle. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, so much is running through my head right now because I, I I like the the movies. A lot of us might know and the people, movie with uh, Kim Novak. People think it means it's a it's a ritual to banish a witch, but that's not what it is. The Belbuck and Candle refers to the ritual of excommunication. I didn't know that specifically. Yeah. I know that it's part of a, a ritual. So Yeah, it's just but, excommunicating but see, bells, someone from the church. And that kind of makes sense with the bells. There's just by bringing up the bells it's going to take us into another Christmas thing that that it, it has dark and light with it too. Um but I I wanted to 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 talk about the the thing the reason I squeed so much when I got your book is the thing that drew me to paganism and and witchcraft is the fact that I I love living in Germany I picked up a lot of the the folklore around there I love folklore I love customs I love traditions and my mother was also I'm first generation American uh, and that's also probably why I love uh, Santa Claus so much because I'm half Turkish. And oh. the actual St. Nicholas is Turkish. <laughs> well, was what is your mom, modern day um, Was she Turkish in Germany? I mean, was she 
somebody did her parents come from Turkey to Germany? Because there's a lot of Turkish people in Germany, like since the 70s. There, there are a lot of Turks in Germany. My mother, however, married an American who was stationed in Turkey. Her cousin married a German. And so I got to spend Christmas with my Turkish German cousins in Frankfurt. So I I get what you're saying. (laughs) There there are a lot of Turks. (laughs) I don't see myself as cosmopolitan, though, because I'm, you know, we were military people. We ate macaroni and cheese. I didn't go around, you know, with my pinkies up, you know, drinking uh, sect from a champagne from a big (laughs) champagne flute. But, but I did love reading a lot of stuff here in the, in the book because it did bring me back. Like when you're, you were, you brought, you have a recipe. This is one of the things I love about the book too, is not only is it a lot of uh, really very well researched um, characters through both Christian and pagan folklore. It's uh, also you have recipes and you have crafts, and I love that too because it brings that to life um, more than just reading. Oh, so we're talking about uh, Krampus or Black Peter or Chert. You know, it's nice to have something to, to go to to try to create to bring it to life in in today. Well, I don't actually have any I don't have any Krampus crafts, but I do have there's a a Christmas myth that you can make a, a Scandinavian gnome. Um Yes. Yeah, cuz like the Krampus is not my favorite. So there's no Krampus crafts, but there are there are other things that can be as spooky as you might like to make them. And I I googled Every so often I Googled the book, as one does, and I found that somebody had made and posted pictures of the Elvish window window ornament. I love seeing, like, when people have made the stuff, people that I don't know have made the stuff and posted pictures online. See, and, and when you talked about Krampus and not bringing, bringing the stuff, we kind of made a joke last week when, when I, I said it was uh, Santa Claus Day, which is December 6th. We alluded to it. We didn't go into great detail. Um, December 6th is St. Nicholas's uh, feast day and that's when if you're you put your shoes out and Mm -hmm. in the morning you'll wake up and if you're a good kid you get goodies Um, I think most of the kids in in the area of Germany I lived in got fruit and nuts and some people got socks like you said some people got coins Uh, but if you're a bad kid you would get switches and mm-hmm. or coal. You did bring yeah. up an idea of something to do with switches, you know, but but that's not really switches as in a bad a bad thing. I'm sorry, Linda, I'm going all over the place with your book because there's so well, much in, in here. Places, even for mm-hmm. the good kids, he would tie their treats to a switch or to a bundle of switches. I guess just kind of keep them in line. And then the bell's nickel would hit them He'd scatter the who was the the Pennsylvania Dutch um, Saint Nicholas. He would scatter the treats on the floor, and then the kids had to come forward to get them up off the floor while he is switching at their hands or whipping at their hands. So, like only the brave ones are gonna get the treats. 
Wow. <laughs> and and that sounds. And also, of, even if you're that, sounds, you'll get this. Which was was, um, I somebody contacted me on Facebook. It was not from. It was not because of the book. It was because of a witch's calendar article that I wrote. Um, on what was I think it was on the Swedish Easter witches, and they carry mm-hmm. they sometimes carry a, a switch that um, they come around at Easter time and they carry a switch that's decorated with feathers and flowers and um, yeah so the good a good switching you give somebody a good switching it helps them grow and so a reader was offended by that but that's. That but it was that's like part of encouraging child it's abuse. It's culture. Yeah, no, but and it's, in, it's not. Go ahead. And this is really bad. In Poland, I don't know if they still do it, but it used to be the boys would run after the girl with switches on Easter morning and and whip their legs, and the girls would brag about how many welts they had. So, like, the more welts you had, the more popular you were. But that all comes from, you know, arguably, it could come from Lupercalia, which, you know, and, and the switches were seen as a sign, like you, you, you alluded to, a sign of fertility. And you brought it up in the book, yeah. too, is there's a connection with fertility in the switches. Um, and there's there's also other other things that you bring up in the book, you know, where, where you know, uh, people would take, take the, uh, like, apricot, branches and try to have them grow to go to church to catch the witches. <laughs> that yeah, you think that witches I've never heard of that. And people did actually switch trees too. They would whip um, apple trees to make them grow. And that's something and I brought up. I played when I was getting you. I, I played it with sale. And yes, I, it's to kind of, yes, I heard that. I heard that. Is it's hard to explain that, that to people. It's, it's what? Go ahead. It yeah, was well, hard we to explain what the, whaling is. Go ahead. And well, what the, people always think it's the the drink. It's what you drink. Um, but you can have a dry wassail. You can just go around wishing everybody good health and and mm-hmm. singing. And you don't actually have to have the beverage. And the traditional beverage, people think it's apple cider, uh, but it's not. There were sometimes apples floating in it but it was sort of an aily, whiny eggnog in oh, the inside wassail bowl. Yeah, a spiked yeah. eggnog, a spiked spice. And sometimes there was like toast floating on the top. It doesn't sound too appetizing. Yeah. I've, I've, I've seen the thing with the to- actual toast, not like to your health, but toast. <laughs> yeah, the actual it's like somebody toasted says, bread. Yeah. We're going to toast. Oh, you want toast? I'll throw some toast in there too. <laughs> there's there's toast the noun and toast the verb. It kind of got mixed up somewhere in in translation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know, I never thought no. about that. Is that the, where the name toast comes from? You know, to toast somebody. I don't I know. I never thought about that. There. I bet it is. We're gonna have to do this research now. We're gonna have to yeah. find out. Um, but but see, when you with the sailing, you, I remember bits and pieces of this growing up in, in Germany is is they would sing to the trees. They would marry trees. Trees would get married were, this time of year. You lucked out. You were in mm-hmm. a good part of Germany. They didn't do any of that stuff where we go. They would met with 
trees would marry each other or trees would marry people? No, they would marry trees would marry each other. They would they would marry a, a tree to another tree to, to for it to be fertility a fertility thing. Oh, and there was a whole a whole tree wedding ritual. I love this. It's something they don't really talk about. You know, it's one of those things they do at night that, you know, they that's the that's the thing is a lot of these traditions some of them are, are you know, still very open and, and places do them and other places, you know, uh they kinda keep it on the down low that people would do that. <laughs> you know, you try to ask so how, them why how, are you you're coming off the military base. How did you manage to get access to this these goings on, you'd think that you would be one of the people that that they were sort of closed off from. No, I just I just heard the stories. Well, the okay. very first place it's the very first place I lived when I moved to Germany was this tiny little village called Eisenschmidt, which means Iron Forge. Iron Forge, yeah, <laughs> and, or Ironsmith. Iron yeah, and yeah. it's it's this. And, and this here, this brings us back to what what I was wanting to talk about, and then I want to talk about the cross dressing thing. But we we're talking about the season of Christmas. The season of Christmas. When I first moved there, we moved into our little house, and I can I share pictures with with you on Facebook. You'll it's like amazing. It's straight out of a, a Grimm's fairy tale. Um, this village I lived in. Uh, I lived at the very edge and there was this dark 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 forest right on the on the on the other side of my house <laughs> a scary Ooh. forest that you knew don't go into and across the stream there was a stream that uh, that went through the the village and the stream was right in front of my house and across the stream was an an old church with the bells going every hour and directly across the stream from us was, I swear I'm not making this up, there was a shoemaker, a hunchback shoemaker, who would sit oh in his God, window cobbling shoes. You're living in a grim fairy tale. I know, right? I actually lived in this village when I was like 11 years old. Did you appreciate and it at the time? Were you like, I am in a grim fairy tale? I did, I did. Because I've always yeah, been attracted to... Good to this folklore that's that's the thing but here we go is i moved there in late fall so i remember like uh november the early right at my birthday is the first week of november right after my birthday everybody gathered up in the village with torches and everything to celebrate and they dragged us out because we were you know my um You'd get a kick out of this. My landlady kind of adopted me. She says, "Ich heiße Oma." <laughs> you know, oh, call me grandmother. Mm-hmm. Yes, That's nice. she she yes she she was awesome. Um, but she she so dragged us out to be Martin? part of the Saint Martin's Day. Ah, yeah. Okay. So is this this is Catholic country here? Or was it I would say it's Catholic country. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think in the Catholic so, regions have more. There's much more survivals of tradition there than there is in the Protestant mm-hmm. regions. I'm pretty sure it was Catholic because my father was divorced and we were like pariahs because of that. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, you would have yeah. been fine. He would up north. Yeah, and so they, did, they did. They, they talked a lot about my dad. 
Mm-hmm. Say Martin come riding in on a white horse. Um, they didn't have St. Martin come riding in on a, on a white horse. They just all got together with the with torches and lanterns. And my mother, did I don't the, remember um, St. Martin. Mm-hmm. My mom, when she was little in Lübeck, which is further north and east than you were, they had and they they still have um, lantern days where the kids go out yeah. after dark and they have the the paper lanterns. And like little kids, and my mom said, you know, somebody's would always burst into flame, and you just have to drop it and stamp it, stamp it out on the cobblestones. And there's special <laughs> songs that you sing. They would, they were different songs. They Latana, Latana, Demet Mine and Latana, and very sad sounding songs. Those, the ones, those weren't really religious anymore. Up in, but but they sounded sad, I guess, because the year was ending and it was getting darker. Yes. Yes. And that's that's a scary scary part of the year again because it it is getting darker and darker and you know we're talking about having candlelight you have to make sure you have enough candles you have to make sure you have enough wood you have to make sure you have enough what everything to to survive and and it is a, a very dark time um, but the season you bring up starts you know we think of the twelve days of Christmas usually. If we're going to say, if I say the Christmas season, oh, people say, oh, well, Hannah's probably talking about the 12 days of Christmas, which are important, but you're bringing up that the, you can argue that it starts pretty much at, at what we call Samhain, or it could start at St. Andrew's Day, which is at the end of of, um, of November. November. Mm-hmm. And so, I think, well, and we, go ahead. We've been inching up in America. We've been inching up the celebration earlier and earlier. Um, like I tell people, I make these. They're not in the book. They were going to be in the book, but the um, the instructions are hard. It's easier just to find the instructions on YouTube um, to make these fold, these three dimensional folded paper stars. And I make mine. I dip them in wax and I sell them at craft fairs. And I tell people that. It was the Pennsylvania Dutch who, as far as I knew, started dipping them in wax so that they could put them outdoors on the bushes. And I've had it, mm-hmm. I've had it on, a wreath, on a wreath on the door, but I tell people probably in those days, in the 1800s, they were probably putting them out maybe the week before Christmas and taking them down on New Year's Eve or maybe even putting them up on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. So don't expect them to last from... Thanksgiving until New Year's. Because <laughs> we, yeah. I mean, my mother and I think a lot of people in that generation, they didn't. The tree didn't go up until Christmas Eve. And here, you you see trees after you know Thanksgiving night. You can see trees in people's windows already. Yeah, my significant other likes to complain about whenever he sees people with their their Christmas decorations. That's way too early. But um, I kind of like getting into it, getting into the spirit, like right after Thanksgiving myself. But you're right; uh, a lot of the a lot of the places won't decorate it until like right before. And the you brought up in in the book too. There's a, a time uh, here in the United States. We'll joke around about some people who leave their Christmas lights up all year round because maybe they're too lazy to bring them down or whatever. 
but my neighbors, there is my neighbors, in in between the two, the storm window and the regular window, and then the air conditioner is there, so the their lights have to stay in there. I don't know what they're going to do when they burn out, but yeah, all year round. <laughs> wow. But but see, there's a reason that you need you know a, a folkloric superstitious reason that you take them down. Now I always heard right, take yeah. them down by the Epiphany. Which is January Tiffany, 6th. but the absolute last that you can keep your Christmas stuff up is February 2nd is Candlemas. Or if you don't, you'll have an infestation of goblins. I promise you it will happen, <laughs> so they have to come down. It's it's funny. You said Candlemas, and the other day when I was, uh, again, on the, the Corellian Family Hour show, I was saying... Uh, I was thinking in bulk, but I said Candlemas because I'm just used to saying Candlemas. Because and I just love the word Candlemas. Because, me too. Me too. Because it it Beautiful. makes sense. It 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 makes sense to that time of year, Candlemas. What Candlemas brings, um, and it's one of those pagan holidays that a lot of people kind of you know don't know quite what to do with. Because it's, they, uh, well, they I know have. I've written for the the Llewellyn Almanacs and mm-hmm. the witches the, the Sabbath Almanac and uh, let's see I've done the, they have um, you know the same series of articles every year but there's different series there's the old ways I've written for the old ways the feasts mm-hmm. and treats and the um, crafty craft. And you have to come up with either recipes or crafts or old traditions for each of the eight Sabbaths. And trying to emulk is always the most challenging. Like, what What are we going to do this time? Are we going to do candles? Are we going to do sheep? Are we going to do dairy products? It's, it's, are we going to do Bridget? It's, uh, it's a challenge. Yeah, so what does the average pagan do on emulk? I'd like to know. See, and what I would do is going back to that folklore again, is I would go into uh, pancakes. Pancakes are still pretty much a tradition here in the United States during that time of year. And I know uh, it's well, yeah, we Harold Tuesday pancakes. Yeah, my mom is. I right. forget every year, and my mom's. Oh, you go, are you coming over for pancakes? Who's making the pancakes? Yes, to use up all the the fat and the the fat and the eggs and. But I've always understood it as you have to use up those forbidden foods before Lent starts on Ash Wednesday. And I understand that there's a that goes back to the thing about Christmas and Yule, that there's that overlap of pagan and Christian, you know, where you're you're you are preparing for for Lent if you if you follow Lent. But then you can pull apart a lot of the the Lent and and you know what we here in the United States usually uh, Mardi Gras. But if you go in other parts of the the world in Germany, Fasching, uh, mm-hmm. Carnival, yeah. you know you uh, yeah. you the can find some pagan you can find some pagan some pagan beliefs or, or roots, some, some folklore. Yeah. Um, but this is really interesting because when you and I were talking off off mic, I told you the reason that I'm really interested in this stuff is and why I was really excited about your book is because, I, you know, folklore 
brought me into this. But I asked you um, about your path, and you even said to me that you've done podcasts that are more paranormal, but this is the first pagan podcast that you've yes, done. It is. Thank you. Yes, mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. And you, when I asked you about your path, all you you said that you you had a Joseph Campbell quote that yeah. Do you well, have that I can't remember his exact words. I discovered Joseph Campbell when I was what was I maybe 19, and he did a, the PBS. Um, series The Power yeah, of Myth, the power with, of myth? With, with Bill Moyers yeah. and Bill Moyers I don't know if Bill Moyers is really that dumb but he has the, the dumbest questions even me at 19 was like what but I guess he was being every man and just I was you know blown away by Joseph Campbell and he said at yeah. one point um, and he was not religious Joseph Campbell um, right he did not believe in God and he said one time but, of course, you know, his thing was comparative mythology and religion. And he said this was when computers were new, and he was, like, fussing around with his computer, and he said it was a whimsical creature, which I often feel all computers are whimsical creatures. We have that in common, too. And he said um, religions are like software. If you pick one software and you stick with it all the way through, or maybe, like, if you decide on a PC or a Mac and you stick with that one all the way through and you learn it inside out, you will have a really incredible experience. But then there's people like Joseph Campbell who can't help playing around and experimenting with different softwares. And he'll right. never have as as mind-blowing as an experience as the people who are sticking with one religion all the way through, but he just can't resist learning about all the other different religions and trying to see what's behind them and comparing them one with the other and trying to get get to the bottom and see through them. And so that's me. I'd rather I'd rather be able to learn and enjoy and try to dissect any religion that I want to than have to stick with one. So that's right. me. I like to I, I like to play around with religion. I'm I'm using your metaphor right now, and I'm saying, okay, and I'm putting it into your book and and thinking, okay, um, I'm trying to come up with the character, the the winter queen, the the witch that seems to, uh, is it Petra? You'll have to say her name or the different. Yes, Perchka. Perchka. And and I'm thinking, you know, okay, and Perchka in in one area is like a Safari browser, and then, with another area, it's like a Chrome browser. Yeah, sometimes and, she's, and, she's and, a horrible crone and, and terrifying, and others she's uh, <laughs> like a fairy godmother. And um, yeah, yeah. So I I be able to compare and and I love to dissect things. I love to take folk tales and dissect them and pick them apart and say what's really going on here. And see, that's I love that too. That's that's part of what I like about the book. So if if people want to find out more about and don't get hung up on Christmas, you'll please just just learn about the season. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking not talking to you. You obviously are not the person. The people <laughs> who are listening, please don't get hung up on on oh I don't like all the Christian references because you can't learn about the season 
without the Christian references because, you know, this stuff was outlawed. This stuff was not allowed. People, people were burned at the stake if they outwardly, openly followed pagan ways. So, no, but, but they still exist. Under the name, yeah, under and the they, name of paganism. But if right. you could rename things, then often you could carry on. Because people, I mean, the early missionaries, they wanted people to come to church. They wanted people to convert and to come to church. And I think they would, in some respects, they would then, in some respects, they were, you know, mowing down the sacred groves and, and you know, martyring, you know, Charlemagne was cutting down pagans right and left. But in other ways, of course, he wasn't really a missionary. He was he was a king and he was a, <laughs> a soldier. He was a holy um, Roman emperor, yeah. <laughs> but we, in some ways, they would bend over backwards to, you know, what what can we do to Christianity? We, how, how can we meet you so that you will be Christian? Okay, you want to have the soldier's traditions? What, yes, but we're, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. Let's get that clear, and then you can do your greenery and and that kind of thing, and so that everybody could be happy. Because you know they want, still today. You know you want to get people. You know I don't go to church, but they always want to get people into church. Um, you know, so they try. I always see the the advertisements and things on. We have we get a lot of churches in our town, and uh, there's one that's just all doom and gloom. But you know the other ones are trying to I don't like advertise. You know how much fun you're going to have if you go to that church. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a it's a community thing. You know, that's one of the things. That's part of why I like. That's part of my mission here with the Pagan Tonight Radio Network is for people who don't have a pagan community available to them or want that connection to a pagan community. We're 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 trying to to offer that here on Pagans Tonight. So people can can you know listen to any of our podcasts and these and I don't think I think I told you that yeah I did in the email that this link for tonight's show you can pull it out and share it with with whomever um, I don't know how much they're gonna follow with this I'm sorry I'm being so squirrel squirrel because I, there's so much information in this book and and there's so much coolness in this book for anyone who's really into learning about where things came from. And things that you didn't know, like the Chris Kindle and um, and Chris K- Chris Kringle. I don't know why I never made that connection because you know, growing up in Germany, I heard Chris Kindle. You know, we had the Chris the Nuremberg, the Chris Kindle, oh, Chris yeah, Kindle mark. They would call it the Chris Kindle yeah. mark. Yes, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are and pretty. Did you enjoy going? Deal. Yeah, those are beautiful. I've never yeah. been. Uh, the latest I've been in Germany in the year was early November. I've never been to a Christmas market there. I would like to someday. And smell the Glühwein. You you had a, a recipe a drink for the mall. Like, well, you can get um, in Clark, New Jersey. They have a Christkindlmarkt, and I have like five mugs because every time I go there, I buy the mug with. I think <laughs> only one time somebody else was driving, so I got to have the Glühwein. Otherwise, I just have to have the cider. Um, it's not the same though. It's kind of. It's a uh, it's a cl- it's a German club that my my two spinster aunts belonged to. Their one was a distant cousin of my mother, and they were members. And we were never members because when we were kids, there was a rule that to join you had to speak German. And at that time, I didn't. I've I've since gone to school to 
to learn German, but I didn't at that time. And I wouldn't have wanted to. I mean, you go inside the hall and it smells like red cabbage. And um, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's not our part of Germany. And we go every year and we, we buy the, the marzipan and the advent calendars and, you know, all kinds of goodies, Kinder Schokolade, um, all the candy. Oh, uh, but it's not our part yeah. of Germany. So I have – there's um, – so I go that one every year on a the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and the Saturday, the day before, there's a Scandinavian market right in my town. It's, it's, I think they had their 37th cool. annual one. It's been going because there is a Scandinavian lodge in our town. So the two experiences together, that that fulfills me. Cool. Very cool. But I actually well, feel and, more and 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 you brought up our our place in our our area of Germany, and I guess guess a lot of people like to think of Germany as this one homogenous uh, area. But Germany came rather late. Germany, as yeah, we it's know, a very it came young rather country. late. Yeah, it is. And see, I lived. I told you about living in the Eiffel region, which is very much the uh, the. Uh, like I said, it's, it's it's farmers. You smell the the go the cow manure every spring. Oh, you know, and they yeah, they do the fires. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's where they they still do like the wassailing and and they don't call it wassailing, but they do the the stuff with the apple trees and and uh, decorate them and and such. Whereas later on, I moved to Wiesbaden, which is in Hesse, which is oh, in the heart, you know, in the heart. That's Walpurgis Night yeah. Ground Zero. Cool. Yeah. Did you go? Did you get? Were you there through a Walpurgis Night? I lived there, but I didn't know much about what was going on with Walpurgis Night, okay. and I feel like left out because that would have been really cool yeah, to experience. <laughs> but but yeah, which is. You know, here's one thing too. You're, you're. I can tell you love history as much as I, I do. Uh, I got on a bus one day, and the bus, the bus routes, are they have the, the end of the line is is the the route name, which depending mm-hmm. on which direction it's going, and I went to the end of the line on this one route because it just always drew me there, and I went there and I just felt like there was something there, and I didn't know enough. I went to Bingen, and I would have loved if I had known anything about Hildegard of Bingen. Yeah, Hildegard and her herbs. She was herbs and music and and rocks and just uh, she was an amazing woman. Speaking of amazing women, before there was she, she was she was amazing, and not a lot of people know about her, and not a lot of people know about the females here in the United States, the female characters. Of of the Christmas season, we talked. Uh, we 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 went over a little bit with. Uh, you're gonna have to say her name again. The 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 witch that is sometimes Herta. she's a crone, sometimes she's a fairy. Say Herta. it again. Herta. And the, she's the kind of almost. Yeah, there you go. Herta. Yeah, there you go. Um. But there's the she has all sorts of forms. I know that um, Selena Fox, one of her favorite goddesses of the time you brought up to, uh, is the the one with uh, the Italian one that her day was yesterday, right? 
uh, Labathana. She's um, January 6th, Epiphany. Oh, Epiphany. The, night, the Italian witch who comes the night before Epiphany, and she delivers toys. She just kind of drops the toys down the chimney as she flies by. Because she is, and, and she seems like, oh, pagan, right? Flying, witch flying yeah. through the air. But she's actually the most Christian of all the witches in the book, even of some of all the, the characters in the book, because her story is that um, she was a good Italian housewife. She was cleaning house when the Magi came by. They must have been really lost if they were up in Italy. And they <laughs> asked her if they knew, if she, you know, asked her for directions because they said they were going to uh, bring gifts to this very special baby in Bethlehem or wherever the star was shining, and did she want to come with them? And she said, no, I have to clean my house. And But then after they <laughs> moved on, she changed her mind, and she tried to catch up with them, but she never found them, so she still flies around giving gifts to every child just in case one of them happens to be the Christ child. But wow. then again, then again, she is in many ways similar to the the incarnation of Perta that's known more as Bertha, who also would visit in parts of Germany, would visit that same night, and there were certain foods that you weren't supposed to eat before she came, and you had to have all your spinning done. So... I remember, so the, yeah, that was the interesting part of the so, book. Have all your spinning yeah. done. Go ahead. Yes, so so she's another one. Bafana is like you cannot, you just can't untangle the Christian and the pagan. There, it's too, it's it's grown together. And I don't have a, I I don't have a problem with it. I, you know, I think I don't like when people have to make it a a, a big deal, um, and it's usually. I I just don't like it because this is the time of year that I think that everyone should should you know I don't have a problem saying Merry Christmas I have no problem I am I saw a meme that uh, that says you know you're, you're pagan but you still love singing Christmas carols and that is like so me I will sing you know all and there's Christmas carols that are obviously are are pagan like Deck the Halls Deck the Halls uh, the Holly and the Ivy that's one of my favorites Holly and the Ivy. Yeah, the holly and the ivy. That's very sounds taken to me. Yeah, it turned out that it was totally, you know, Christian symbolism. Um, I think it's also, you know, what what you bring to it, what you're meaning when you when you say it, but when you sing it. But even like the word Christmas to me, um, it's like Halloween. I I, right. I never loved the word so on because nobody does anybody really. Is how do you pronounce it? Does anybody know? Um, I actually had the one of the guests that I had last last week. She uh, on from Chronolith. She speaks uh, she speaks Gaelic. She speaks Irish, and she she went through all the different pronunciations of it, which is basically Samhain. Samhain <laughs> is probably okay. the most common Samhain. way. But I've heard Everything, people say Samhain. Sam Haim. So we. <laughs> so we. Yeah, so but I love like that that word because I came to it late. It doesn't mean anything. Halloween conjures, you know, all kinds of wonderful things. Halloween to me is a magical word, even though it's a it's a Christian word. It's the hallowed 
evening, but it to me it doesn't right. have Christian connotations. It's just Halloween, and to me Christmas, you say I don't. I'm not thinking Christ Mass. I'm thinking just this whole wonderful mashed up blend of light and dark and twinkly traditions. So I just I love the word Christmas. Yes. And I'm with you on that. I really, I, I, I don't want that word taken away from me, and I don't want it, want it being taken away from me to say Merry Christmas. But I don't want somebody to be militant about it. If I say I mean, Happy I'm Holidays, say, don't I get. Do, uh-huh. I send Christmas cards mm-hmm. to everybody, to to pagans, to Jewish friends, um, and I say in it Merry Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm celebrating Christmas and I like, want to share that with them. I, don't, I will not say Merry Christmas to somebody in their face who I know doesn't celebrate Christmas and doesn't want anything to do with it. Um, although I, I don't know if I know anybody like that. Yeah, I say Merry Christmas to my neighbors. And my neighbors are, let's see, I have four units in the building. Two are definitely Hindu one, I don't know if they're Hindu or Muslim, but I would say they they are curious about Christmas because they're all so here. Christmas um, in the United you know, States rivals, and they're curious about Christmas and Thanksgiving and um, yeah. right. And I guess here, it depends where you're it's a, from. It's a, it's a very secular holiday here in the United States. It's it's really not not as much a. a, a been secular for a long time and it's been like and uh, i think a lot of the german jews who came here at least in new york came here around the turn of the century or earlier especially and also the um the more affluent families in europe they celebrated christmas they didn't go to church but they would have a christmas tree it was part of it was just part of the season and I had, um, years ago, I had neighbors from Israel, and they said, uh, in Israel, Hanukkah is not such a big deal. Passover is the biggie, and Hanukkah is just sort of like a little a little festival. But here, because it's so close to Christmas, it's, it's kind of has to, you know, give Christmas a run for its money, so it's become bigger here. And actually, when I was a right. kid growing up, I had Hanukkah envy. I was very attracted to, to Hanukkah because there were more candles. We had the four Advent candles at home, but, you know, they had the eight and then the shamash, the eight. It just looked just so exotic and exciting that, yeah, I wanted to celebrate Hanukkah too. The candle, the what I remember for, for candles in Germany was we had, and let's go back to the bells. I think I'm keeping getting drawn back to the bells. Uh, back to and candles. We had the. It was like a. a, a and these are big in Germany. Um, you have these candles, and there's like an angel and a, like a windmill type thing. Oh, a fan on top of it. Yeah, yeah the, and it the, has the like little skinny candles, and the heat rises up, and there's a metal little metal fan, and right. the heat turns the fan, and so the angels go around. Yes, we had those. I think they broke. Those are things that are very delicate. They don't. Um, yes. They don't always last. So, did you and, use and those as Advent candles or just as a decoration? 
We just use it as a decoration. Because <laughs> we have the. Yeah, but um, you can't because there's four. Go ahead. If, yeah, but then I don't think just one. You would have to wait till fourth advent for the the angels to go around because there wouldn't be enough heat. I think if all. Yeah, it would get. See, one and I, I, I didn't want to wait that long. I wanted to. Right, I wanted know, to no. make the bells ring. Yeah, I think <laughs> angel times are for fun. And then the advent count candles you do, probably in the Eiffel region, they would have used a wreath, a wreath of greenery, and put the four candles in the wreath. Yeah, I think we did that. And uh, see, and, and what I think is, is great is coming up with your own traditions because, you know, growing up in, in Germany, one of the traditions that we brought home that, that my father does to my grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, is he tries to get them advent calendars every year. With the chocolate, yeah, the German chocolate. And I, I, yeah. I get a handout, you know, like, say, do you have an advent calendar? You don't know what one is. Okay, well, here is one. <laughs> you need this. <laughs> what am I you know, You know what my problem is? What I hate most to hear people say mm-hmm. about Christmas, and a woman said it to, it to me in our laundry room just the other day, is when they say, mm-hmm. oh, well, Christmas is for kids. Not no. Kids. I mean, it's nice to have the kids around, but I think, let's see, I haven't had a kidless Christmas in 20, almost 27 years, so I'm actually looking forward to a, a kidless Christmas someday, <laughs> I, not just I, for kids. I become a kid at Christmas. To me, that's, you know, it's, to me, it's, that's part of why I, I think I love these stories is is because you can't help but be a kid when you hear about uh Santa Claus and and you know thinking about um reindeer but I'm sorry I'm going to have a different view in my head now when I when I think about reindeer and the reindeer that they used that Santa would have to use to pull his sled were castrated and when you talk about how the Sami castrated the reindeer I don't know how the heck they did that, but okay, I'm going to tell people, if you want to find out, you're going to have to get Linda's book. <laughs> no get spoilers. No spoilers on that. Yeah, that was, when I Just, found uh, that, that was like a gem. That was like, a real, oh, like, oh boy, this is what i got to put in the book. <laughs> it was definitely interesting, so get the book. So let's go ahead and, and, and do that. We We talked a lot about a lot of different things and we barely scratched the surface of all the, the the awesomeness in this book if you're into wanting to learn about the folklore behind all these different holidays and how you're almost and and I'm going to to throw this out there you're very Joseph Campbell-esque in in a okay. way with with treating this it's it's more of a comparative thing and a and a a scholarly um thing about you know all uh, a scholarly work about um there's she may have come from Freya or or Frigga the um Persia uh per- the per- different, yes. different incarnations Oh speaking of Freya um Mm-hmm. December 13th is her day in a way because Freya may have contributed to the St. Lucy's Day celebration. Um, cause in we didn't Sweden, get into St. Lucy's Day. 
We've got to we do, do we that. We've got to do St. Lucy's Day. Well, we, I, I confess, because I've been really busy, um, I got my Lucia buns at Ikea. I got the frozen ones <laughs> on Monday. And so we heated them up this morning, and I heated up uh, three, and one was left on the table, and when I came back, the cat was on the kitchen table on top of the bun, licking the bun, because I forgot she loves anything, uh, that any kind of yellow bun, and these saffron buns really? are very yellow. I think cats can actually see yellow. But we thought it was funny because in Swedish, the... Um, can't pronounce Swedish, but it translates literally. The names for the buns literally translates as Lucy cats. And yeah. Freya's Freya's chariot is traditionally um, pulled by cats. Yes. And she may be associated with cats because you know cats are female cats are kind of loose by human standards, and you know Freya has a very active sex life. Yes. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and end the end the show with a with a Kellyanna song Freya. Um, if you haven't heard it, you should you should definitely get a get that and, and uh, it's a, it's a good song about Freya. Um, but uh, Saint Lucy, Santa Lucia, uh, Saint Saint Lucia, Lucia. <laughs> I'm sorry, there was a, a, a movie yeah, I, I Lucia, watched where the I think Lu- Lucia in Swedish, Lucia in Italian. I, I, I watched this movie where the woman's name was Lucia and she wanted to be called uh, Lucia. And so now I'm messed up in my head about <laughs> pronouncing it correctly. But yeah, Santa Lucia. But, you know, that's a, a big deal in, in like, uh, in Sweden, right? And in a lot of the north, yeah. and not a lot, but... And in Italy, it's really odd. It's like way up there and way down here. Where and in Italy, at least the, in the way old days, the Lucy. So in Sweden, mm-hmm. she's a maiden in a white gown and a crown of candles. But the Lucy, the Lucia in parts of Italy was a witch who showed up in the fireplace. And if you looked at her, you weren't supposed to look at her. If you looked at her, she threw ashes in your eyes. So that's one is that funny? instance where it's flipped, where it's a, a bright and shining character in the north and it's a dark and scary character in the south. Now, what were the boys that, that were, that there's like a boy character that goes along with that? With the, well, first uh, there, were, Lucy. there were Lucy boys who would go around singing, usually um, boys in not really university, but maybe high school, you know, secondary education they would sing for pocket money at that time of year. Mm-hmm. So they would go Christmas shopping, and, and they were called Lucy Boys. Then the um, the depiction of the, the, the Christ child in Germany, mm-hmm. where a girl would dress like a girl in a white gown, long hair, crown of candles. That was the Protestant reaction and the counter-reformation reaction to St. Nicholas, because you're not supposed to actually worship a saint. So the Christ child, him slash herself, would go and give out presents. So in the 1800s, that was adopted in Sweden for Lucia. So Lucia became female. But now in Sweden, because each school has its own Lucia, and they do the whole ritual with the the candle procession, and now boys want to Mm -hmm. be 
Garcia's also, and and you know, it used to always have to be a blonde girl. It doesn't have to be a blonde girl anymore. But now the boys want to get on, in on the action. There have been schools that have enact have elected um, boy Lucias, and they have been allowed to wear the crown, crown of candles to do their thing, which is as it should be, because as I point out in the book, um, there were places in Sweden where they would put the candles on a cow. I don't know how you get a candle crown on a cow, but it's never been just the girls. Well, we there's there's so much to to to, to that we we haven't covered that's in this book. Um, we you, you talked about cows. We talked about reindeer. Well, yeah, people need to get the book. Um, the there's a, a section on on animals, uh, goats and dogs, and pigs, and you know uh, cats. Dogs. You brought up cats, cats cows, werewolves, um, and there's a, a a section on um uh, when you talked about the the Christ child and 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 that goes back to the shoe thing. I remember. You know, in Germany, they talked about you. You, this is really weird to people who weren't raised around this. That people leave their shoes out, not just on on uh, on on Saint Nicholas's Day, but on Christmas for presents. Oh, to put for in the presents. shoe on Christmas Eve too. Yeah, uh-huh. and I remember a story that I heard growing up in Germany is the reason you leave your shoes out is for the Christ child. If the Christ child comes walking by and doesn't have shoes, you're giving your shoes to them and they might leave you presents. Oh, Which is okay. The, and, and when we brought up something about... Well, on, on Christmas Eve is, is when that, that would happen. That I remember. There, yeah, there's an Icelandic tradition where they leave the shoes out, and it's filled with some kind of like magical white dust. I don't think they do that anymore. Yeah, and you, that's what I was saying. You brought up something else about shoes. It's it's really weird how shoes. How did shoes get be to be part of this? There is. I guess there is it's, a. It's the I'm one not part asking you. It's the one part mm-hmm. of your wardrobe that you take off at night. In the old days, you wouldn't take your clothes off at night. You maybe like go down to I, your shift, right? Get in bed. I do know how stockings. The story that I heard about stockings goes back to the from what I was told, and and my this is I don't think you, this is in the book. I didn't see it in the book. This um, is not the dog the mushroom by the fire, is it? <laughs> It's drying the the the, uh, the stockings by the fire, and and the actual Saint Nicholas heard that his, some man was about to sell his daughters into slavery, so he put gold coins oh, in right. their stockings. Yeah, the, the Turkish that's the Turkish Saint Nicholas, because that was in Turkey that that yeah. I believe yeah the Saint mm-hmm. Nicholas yeah he he put coins in the in their in their stockings as they were drying by the fire. So they wouldn't have to be sold into slavery. So, oh, I thought it was that's my my contribution. It was to give them the girls a dowry. The girls were too poor to get married, so he left the gold coins as a dowry. It's about the same story. If they didn't have enough money to to get married, they would be sold either you know in slavery or into servitude. Or go ahead. 
there was the kids who, um, yeah, this didn't, this tradition didn't survive. The kids who were sliced up and put, they were murdered, cut up and put in a pickle barrel, and he managed to fish the pieces out, St. Nicholas, and and put the kids back together again. We don't have a survival of that, that story. Thank goodness. There there are stories like you get the book. There are stories like this with with trolls eating children, and we didn't go too much into the elves. There's a lot. That's one of the things I really enjoyed about your book is is the the you know a lot of people when they talk about elves and fairies and stuff, um, there's this belief of like Tinkerbellish fairy stuff, and there's there's a lot more to to the fairy beliefs than I love elves. Then Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Um but I like the what a lot of people call the Seely Court and the Unseely Court. Uh for the, in Celtic beliefs you you talk about the dark elves and the the light elves. And we're not you bring up Tolkien. We're not necessarily talking about Tolkien's elves. We're talking about I mean, there's, there's, there's hints. Well, I think Tolkien's elves are closer to, at least at the Viking Age, closer to what the Viking mm-hmm. Age vision of elves were. I think Tolkien is and elves, his elves are pretty often spot on, I think. And his elves were... Were, were tall and beautiful and luminous. Possibly dangerous, and there's <laughs> possibly dangerous, and they're different. They're they, they're, it's not the same. They live in a different world and in a different time, and 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 there's a lot of mystery behind their world and our world, and when the two collide, and and Christmas is one of those times that that happens, and and I like how you handle that in the book too. So if anyone's uh, is listening and is really into elves and fairies and trolls. Um, and trolls. This is a good book. Then, and I go back to thinking about Germany uh, or Europe. You know, you, there's a lot of troll. You know, the carvings and stuff that they uh, house brights. You talk about go into great detail with house brights. This is a a big time of year for house brights. Do you mind talking about house brights real quick? Um, like the sort of that you could carve and install in your house or just the ones that are about anyway, whether you want Both. them there or not. Well, um, I love the ones that are there, whether you want them or not, they're, they're there. <laughs> and, and I think another reason the, the stockings are hung by the fireplace is because that was House White Central. That was their home. And I think that evolved from the ancestral spirits. The spirits of the ancestors were thought to live in the ashes of the fireplace. And so you would want to, you would leave offerings for them at the fireplace and you might receive gifts from them in return. And in some places in France they had, they managed the the Yule log. There was no Christmas tree. There was the Yule log or the Yule block, this huge log that would go in the big farmhouse fireplace. And, and it was the Yule log that offered up presents. And I think probably one a couple hundred years before that, it was actually the ancestors that the, the presents were supposed to be from. 
and again, the, the the moral of this whole book and the story and and the show tonight is is you cannot separate the pagan and the Christian in what's happened with this season, the the Christmas season. Um, I, I alluded to it, um, but we we didn't go into great detail. Is that the the Christmas season? You know, I talked about the twelve days of Christmas, but it actually starts. You know, arguably. Uh, again, either around Samhain or, or Halloween or St. Martin's Day. Days, or, um, everybody mm-hmm. packs up everything on December, you know, December 26th or New Year's, but the 12 days actually go from December 25th to January 6th. So you should keep your decorations is, up until January 6th. The Epiphany, uh, and in, in like a lot of the Orthodox beliefs, that's the big one, you know. When you go into yeah, certain parts of they haven't even yeah that's their well I think in Eastern Orthodox their Christmas falls on our Epiphany and then then twelve days after that is their Epiphany I believe and that would make sense with the Candlemas waiting till Candlemas to pack up everything because I've I've had people invite me over for Epiphany stuff which is like this is our big day to celebrate. I just think it's great. I I love digging through this. And and you talk about, you know, herbs and trees. And and, and I can't help but have a a little uh, feeling of Baba Yaga in in with uh, Pertka, too. I think she's Slavic, her Slavic cousin. Also with the bird feet, because Pertka often is said to have one bird foot. And and Baba Yaga. I don't know if Baba Yaga herself has bird feet, but her house has bird feet. Her house has bird feet. And this is like really yeah. this is what I love about this is you can weave through this and, and and realize that this is that that there's so many traditions out there and there's this it'll lead you it's already leading me to want to to, to study more because one of the things that you brought up um, in in the book, you were talking about fairy tales, and I wanted to ask you more about it. it you said it's fairy tale, and you talked about Hansel and Gretel, and a couple other fairy tales. Um, again, another place where I, I I think people need to study more for uh, pagan roots in fairy tales. That's where a lot of stuff was hidden, kept hidden. Um, with, and don't, within, don't just you know, read the, the Grimm's fairy tales or the Run and Mill fairy. You know, get some Swedish fairy tales, um, some you know Norwegian fairy tales. Find the the unusual ones, some Slavic, some Lithuanian fairy tales. There's a, especially the Lithuanian. There's a lot there. Finnish. Um, yeah, read some off the beaten track fairy tales. Now you were talking about fairy tale type, and you had a number for that. Where 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 does that come from? Oh, the tale types. There was okay. There's there were two guys working. There was Grimm, but then there mm-hmm. was um, Ask and Mo, who I think were in Norway, and then there was another guy, Christensen, in Sweden, or was he Norway too? I can't remember. And they they sort of codified um, because there's so many different there's so many stories that are told in so many different countries in the same plot line. Like if have you heard of the humpback 
story in Ireland where um, there's a guy with a humpback, and he's a nice guy, and he happens to be passing by a fairy mound, and he hears them singing the days of the week, but they only know Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Have you ever heard that song, that that story? No, no. Well, it's a weird thing, and it's he's nice, and he help, he he finishes the song, and the fairies inside the mound, the inside the hill, are so happy they take his hump off, and he's now able to stand up straight. And then another guy with a hump, he hears about it, but he's not a nice guy, and he comes. And he hears them singing the song Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and he shouts out Wednesday or Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and he shouts out Wednesday, you idiots. And they take him into the mound and they (laughs) put the other guy's hump on him. So this is like bizarre, unique, right? But they have almost the same story in Vietnam. And it's two sisters, two sisters and they're twins, and they have humps, and it's when one is good, the, the good girl is gathering firewood in the jungle, and she runs into these um, jungle nomads, and she sits with them and sings with them, and they take her hump away, and then, of course, the other girl, she wants her, and she ends up with both humps. So that so they went and gathered all these, only, only in Europe, but I was like, okay, this is the same story, so we're going to call this, like, my favorite is... Um, called the princess imprisoned in the mound, and mm-hmm. and then so all if you so you could look up the tail type and then see okay what are all the different versions and where do they come from? Cool. I'm so gonna have to ask you about the that. The more versions so. you have, if you've got um, say one version of it in Sweden and one in Norway and six in Denmark, then chances are that story started in Denmark. So you can trace the origin of it and try to figure out how old it is that way. That is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, so I'm going to have to ask so, yeah, you about this later. Now, um, I'm going to have to ask you about this later for me personally. I And, and that's I, that, that leads me to the next question. If people have questions, if people want to, to – are you open to people, like, messaging you? I know you were open to me messaging oh, yeah, you on your I, Facebook. I have- Somebody messaged me. He wanted to know what my source. Um, his name's Daniel Hale, and he's an author. And he wanted to know. He's always writing stories, and he wanted to know where did I get mm-hmm. the information on, on certain of the Sami traditions. So he messaged me on Facebook, and now we're, you know, we correspond back and forth. And I've read some of his stories, and he read my indie book, and uh, so yeah, I love it because you know, stuff happens. There you go, your indie book. Let's let's talk a little bit more about what you're doing with Llewellyn, and then I want to know about your indie book and how do we how do we find your stuff, and including your indie book. Um, okay, well, Llewellyn, every, you've Llewellyn, done Llewellyn. It's a double double L all through double L E W E double L Y N um, dot com. So all my Llewellyn books are there. I also um, contributed to a lot of the annuals. Um, so actually on Amazon I'm listed uh, as authors on the annuals um, because, you know, there's a lot of authors, um, which is actually not so good for me because if you if you put in an author search for Linda Radish, Old Magic of Christmas comes up, Night of the Witches comes up, then all the annuals that I contributed to come up, 
which um, the way we're paid for those, we're not paid royalties. You write an article and then you're paid a flat fee, um, which is nice because after I think it's two years, um, the rights for that material come back to us, but we're not still earning royalties. And then after all those, if you've scrolled through six pages on Amazon, then you get to my indie book. So very few people have read my indie book. Let's talk about your indie book then. <laughs> okay, but it's, it's called The Princess and the Mound, A Visitor's Guide to Alvin Holm Castle. And it is a fantasy novella. I had, I had somebody read it. Um, another writer read it and didn't realize it wasn't a real place, which um, it, it kind of surprised It kind of like pleased me, but then kind of made me wonder because, well, rooms don't travel through time in real life. I guess she has a very open mind. Um, so it's a fantasy novella written as nonfiction. Because one of my favorite okay. kind of books to read are, are you probably, you've maybe been to them in Germany. If you go... You go to see to an old house or a church, and you have the option of buying the the slim little tour book at the ticket yeah. counter, so you can give yourself yeah. the self guided tour. So I wrote it in that way, um, but this is not your average castle. There are strange things going on in it, and it is uh, the, the princess in the mound. It's um, Loosely based on that old Scandinavian tale type, The Princess Imprisoned in the Mound. Except the Scandinavian story has a happy ending. Um, this princess, she doesn't get a happy ending, but she does eventually get closure. I can say that without spoiling it. So it's for the person well, who likes gonna... um, little ghost stories. Go ahead. If you like a lot of little ghost stories, look for you. What I'm going to do is on the Pagans Tonight Radio Network uh, page, the one, uh, the link to the show, the information about the show, is I stumbled upon. You recently did an interview, uh, a print interview with Doreen. Oh, with Doreen Shabazz. Uh, yeah. Yes, and she is so, the author of the Wild and Weedy Apothecary, which is a fast book that tells you everything you need to know about herbs and what to do with them. Cool. Yes. Cool. Well, if you want to send her my way for, for a show here on Pagan's Tonight, please do, because that sounds like one I that, that I know. Uh, She's very ahead. spontaneous, maybe even more spontaneous than I am. So she would be a fun interview. <laughs> well, this has been a fun interview, too, because there's, again, we're so much, I don't think we even went into, I keep on talking about the bells, and I don't think we ever the finished bells. and talked the about bells. the bells. Bells, bells have there. There's a whole section on bells, and and what bells. You know, we talk about jingle bells, but there's a lot. The cowbells, you know that that are part of the the tradition oh, and the, bells. Uh, the mandal, yes. And the bells, bells having you know because they're made of metal and they make music and and you know and we even talked about bell book and candle. That's uh, that's right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There, there's I'm again reading this book. I'm I know that I'm going to be. There's a lot of uh, questions answered, and there's a lot more questions 
that I, I didn't know to ask now that I'm going to be doing more research on. So if you're really into wanting to know um, about a lot of uh, northern traditions and the differences and similarities of them, not necessarily Christmas, Yule, or this time of year, but it'll it's a good starting point to to learn about them. What would you what who were you um I'm trying to come up with the exact question here, Linda. Give me a, a, a second. Okay. Who did you have in mind and when you wrote this book? Who was your me. audience that you had in mind? My 13-year-old <laughs> self, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And that's um, part, of, part of why you, you appealed to me, because this is like my 13-year-old self, self. But, yeah, I get that. So if you're you, – you have a, a lot of um, – a lot of good information here and it's not it's it's a good reference book too it's a very good reference book um but it could for be anyone covered that's not too yes yes it is I and then you have a you have a uh, it does flow you you have a uh uh glossary in the back for a lot the of the glossary is always um, the most fun part to write i love glossaries I do too. I really do too. I like to read them. I'm so silly. <laughs> no, you should so, read them. You should read them because glossaries are good. In fact, a lot of the material good. in the glossary mm-hmm. were originally footnotes, and my editor said they don't have to know this right now. So how about you put that material in the glossary, and then if they're really curious. They can find it in the glossary. I think she didn't want. And to there's not enough the books. There's not enough books with good glossaries these days. And and I'm not saying that there aren't. I love glossaries. I really do. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Linda, I'm really looking forward to 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 our friendship. I'm glad that I I'm glad that Llewellyn sent me this book. So Llewellyn books. Uh, the Old Magic of Christmas, Yuletide Traditions for the Darkest Days of the Year. I want to get the Walpurgisnacht one for for when we get closer to Beltane. And I would love right. to have you back on the show after I read that one, if that's yeah, cool yeah. with you. And I'm the next and book, not I'm networking on another Llewellyn book, and that the subject mm-hmm. is L. Ooh. Ooh. I'll, but it's not let a me book see. It's year-round book. That's good. That's good. See if you can try to get me <laughs> on the list for that one. Oh, um, sure, yeah. If you I get... will tell Kat. Yes, love Kat. Love Kat. Um, yeah. If you get a copy of Linda's book, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and, and hit Amazon in the next few days. Um, not saying that you have to buy your book at Amazon, just saying, you know, uh, Natalie told me when she was, Natalie and Wendy, when they were my guests uh, last month, how much those uh, Amazon reviews mean to a success of a book. So if they you do. read one and of like I, any of I would rather mm-hmm. that somebody give me two stars and say what they didn't like about the book. Because what one reader doesn't like about the book might be exactly what another reader is looking for. So we'd all, you, always you illustrated like that perfectly. Review, yeah. It's uh, there's always the friend who unasked mm-hmm. 
gives you five stars and says, this is a really great book. And that tells the prospective reader nothing. So we like specific reviews. So if you, you know, whenever you get a Llewellyn book, if you can help out these authors um, by going to Amazon, you can buy them at your independent bookstore, but just go to Amazon because that's where a lot of people get an idea of where they're going to buy a book. I want to go ahead and wrap up the show now because we're running out of time quickly, and I want to play Kellyanna's Freya song. But hold on. I want to talk to you off mic, uh, Linda, and thank you for being such a great guest. Uh, again, the old mask magic. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just saying it was fun out here on the porch. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I had I had a good time. Um, this is the old magic of Christmas. This is the book Linda Radish. Thanks again, Pam. It's porch. I'll be back again next week, but I have no idea what we'll be talking about. It'll be fun though. <laughs> I've climbed through the mountains, earth towers of snow, search of grace, power and the glitter of gold. My husband and daughter tucked safely in her womb. I left in search of great power and gold. I left in search of great power and gold. Now I've come so far, come so far, come so far. Crying tears of amber, tears of gold from my lost love. And I'm one step behind him every corner I turn. That be the price for a necklace of gold. I pay the price for this necklace of gold. Of the falcon from Asgard I soared To the kingdom of Midgard Where man ruled the world There I searched every valley And village and fjord I vowed I'd not stop Till I'd searched the nine worlds I'd never stop Till I'd searched the nine worlds Onward I searched Through long days and long nights by the shine of the sun and the twinkle of starlight I still couldn't find it, oh where was my prize? I'd accept no defeat, I would not be denied I'd accept no defeat, I would not be denied Now I've come so far, come so far, come so far Crying tears of amber, tears of gold for my lost love And I'm one step behind him every corner I turn be the price for a necklace of gold. I pay the price for this necklace of gold. I travel below to the home of four dwarfs to behold a gold necklace with magic they'd forged. What must I do for this power to hold? To lie with us all is the cost I was told. You must lie with us all, that's the cost I was told. With a chariot team of two cats, sleek and strong, I move through the world in triumphant return. 
Eager I was for my family and home To honor my magical necklace of gold To honor my magical necklace of gold Now I've come so far, come so far, come so far Crying tears of amber, tears of gold for my love, love And I'm one step behind him every corner I turn That be the price for a necklace of gold I pay the price for this necklace of gold Upon my return, my young daughter I found But my husband, my true love, was nowhere around Pleased with my quest, he had left us alone Now I search and I search to find out where he's gone I'm endlessly searching to find where he's gone Now I've come so far, come so far, come so far Crying tears of amber, tears of gold for my lost love And I one step behind him, every corner I turn That be the price for a necklace of gold I pay the price for this necklace of gold Like brown, 